SpecFicMedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast with hosts E.G. Holyfield, Christiana Ellis, Chooch, Viv, and Nuchus. Does the hangout have the blue pill? Oh, there we go. <laughs> well, hey, everybody. Yes. And welcome. Wasn't me the Season week. four, episode four, Beyond the Wall. Uh, Ice Keeper. Show, uh, <laughs> talking about, yes, episode four of Game of Thrones, Ice Keeper. Or as I like to call it, what the hell is the Fortress of Solitude doing in West- Westeros? <laughs> so I am joined by the ladies this evening. Uh, Chooch is under the weather. Has the eye of Sauron, as Viv uh, likes to say. Yeah, he has his eye infection that comes back a couple times a year, and this was—it's pretty heinous looking. It's—I can't even look directly at it. It's bad. Mm-hmm. So don't he's hiding it. Into the eye. Yeah, he didn't even opt the for the pirate um, eye patch or any of that. Evil or sense, the evil senses you if you look straight into it. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. But it hurts yeah. too, which is so mm-hmm. I can't really, you know, make too much fun of him. But how are, how are you feeling? I'm okay. I'm recovering from the weekend pretty nicely, slowly. Very good. Yes, Miss Miss Div and Mr. Chooch came down to Charlotte. Nine. nine. <laughs> Mr. Chooch came Mr. down Chooch to Charlotte. Miss Viv. <laughs> Viv. Came down to Charlotte, had some fun. We played some games, played some Mansions of Madness. I got some girly really time, enjoyed. which was awesome. Because I love doing the girly time with you, and uh, <laughs> so we had fun. Well, I wasn't going to call you out, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nutty, how has your week been? My week has other been than, pretty good. Other than being sad about Hodor. Oh, Hodor. Yes, well, we will get to that when we discuss the, the show. But my week um, is pretty good. I'm just on the tail end of a rock show. So, rock show to rock podcasting, show that's how I roll. Yeah, is it a band that people might know? Uh, they may know. Uh, I saw Bloody Diamonds tonight, which is on my T-shirt, and uh, Bellaclava. And Bloody Diamonds is now going to be touring through the United States, so you can catch them in a place near you. Go to BloodyDiamonds.ca, maybe. I don't know. Google them. They'll show up. They're as awesome. long as they don't, as long as they don't sound like uh, Depeche Mode, I'm okay. Oh, no, no, Go no, no. fuck yourself, holy <laughs> We watched it. You know we watched it Depeche Mode? Seriously, Holyfield, go <laughs> fuck yourself. You know We're getting the show like off to a very good start. Depeche Mode sounds like Depeche Mode. Yeah, no. There you go. No, we, we, we watched this, this uh, DVD of this director who <sighs> directed a bunch of videos in the 90s and the, the 2000s. He was, 80s he was, and 90s. 80s, 90s, whatever. Yeah. And he, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, but there's Depeche Mode, which is one of Viv's favorite bands yeah. of all time. And so I've made fun of that. I don't give that. two shits. Uh, 30 years yeah. almost. I'm almost 30 years a fan. Yeah. So there we go. There you go. So Christiana, moving on to Christiana, how are you tonight? I'm doing all right. I'm happy to see we got uh, plenty of activity over in Q&A already. We've got... Oh uh, my gosh, it's already started. Mike McCauley says, we have to miss, miss the vivid colored tongues this week. And, I know. Uh, no, pink, yeah. no pink, no blue. What are we going to do? <laughs> he also says, do not mess with Depeche Mode. I see, yes. Um, T. 
Tim Dodge says that he went to a Neil Gaiman lecture last night, and he was brilliant. Oh, wow. Oh. Um, and then he also asked if uh, Chooch needed some milk of the poppy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> ah. Very good. I can't answer for him, but I doubt that he would turn it down. Um, <laughs> milk of the poppy is like beer, right? Doc, there's no uh, time stamp. I think but, milk of but, the poppy is more like, you know, opiates. Opium. Like it's like morphine. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Essence of Nightshade, despite what we would think of as an alarming name, is is just like for to sleep. Like melatonin or something? Yeah. Uh, I think more like Ambien. Mm. And Mike McCauley is in your court, uh, Viv. He says, hardcore Depeche Mode fan since 1986. Yep, he's my man. We talk so, about music. Bully for you. Bully for you. Fully for him. <laughs> God, you're yeah. extra grumpy tonight. Here is where I think this <laughs> says more about me than anything else I, is that I don't think I even know a Depeche Mode song. Mm. Now, I think it's just because you know, of the, my the, the. constant obliviousness to pop music of any kind. <laughs> I, I, I discover songs like when they're 20 years old. Yeah. Um, what's, sometimes. What's, what's the Jesus song, Viv? What's the Jesus song? There's personal the Jesus. Song. That <laughs> personal, personal Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. That's, that's the one. That's like their biggest hit, right? If you say so. I mean, I mean that's not what I consider their biggest hit, but that that it. I don't know. I don't know what most people consider. Well, my overall there's... point was really just that I know of them exclusively through comedic references and right. not music. Right. They are a frequent <laughs> target. They are innovators, and 30 years later, they're still kicking ass. But hey, on to Game of Thrones. Oh, I guess we could talk about Sure. Whatever you want. So, Oathkeeper. Um, <laughs> interesting episode. Lots of great scenes, I thought, between, you know, they always do the... I mean, they're, they're, Game of Thrones at its best is when you get two characters together and they talk and you, you, you know, see great acting. And um, then they had other things that, that I didn't think worked as well, which we'll get to. So uh, that's my general opinion of the episode. How about you, Christiana? What was your um, general thoughts? That that sounds like about where I where I came down is that it had some great stuff and then it had some stuff where it's like. I almost, I almost don't think of it as lesser as much as like, I, it, it seemed kind of obvious that some of the storylines were going to need some filler, and so we're seeing some of it now. And I thought it's pretty good for filler, but still obviously filler. And so I didn't mind it per se, but I definitely did feel like it wasn't quite up to the other stuff. Gotcha. Mike, you need to stop talking before I silence you. He says, Depeche Mode, the Beatles of modern music. So that's the last I want to hear about Depeche Mode tonight. You started it. I just, I'm leaving it on that yes. one out. You did bring it up. I know. I, I curse myself for that one. Um, and Nutty, your, your general view of the, sh of the episode. Well, first off, general view. Um, <laughs> no, uh... You know, I, I, I liked it better than last week's, I think. Um, definitely an improvement. I will reserve judgment for some of the changes that they've made because it could be really great or it could just be hogwash. It's too early to say. Um, 
but I think it'll be interesting because it's going to fix some problems that I thought would be having since so much of uh, certain parts of the book are inside somebody's head. Mm. You can't show that on TV. You can't. You have to. You have to do something else. So that'll that'll be very interesting. Um, and uh, I will definitely be bringing up Tumblr's response to a couple of scenes. Oh my! Oh. <laughs> We've been talking. I, I stayed away from that, so I'd be interested to hear that. So let's uh, talk about some 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 so places. So would you like to hear Chooch's yeah. overall mm-hmm. opinion of the episode? Absolutely. If you Does have those actually, in note form. I do have it actually. I my That's opinion all. my personal opinion is pretty much in line with Nutty's better than last week, but. We'll see. Um, Chooch says, another slow one, but we get some answers, interesting conversations, and set things up for excitement. There you go. Alright. <laughs> so, uh, we start out in, uh, in, in King's Landing. No, we start out in Marine, right? Yes. So we have... Um, um, Sandy and Grey, Grey Worm, a uh, little discussion about where they're from, a little romance looming. I love the little finger reaching across, almost touching or possibly touching for a second, uh, like that. The, although I thought the look on Danny's face, like seeing them together, like was just a little, you know, too obvious, like, oh, look at you two being together. See, I, I, I foresee trouble and sadness though just because like no one can ever have a happy romantic relationship on this show because it's you know and it's this is not exclusively because Ray Worm is a eunuch I mean that's obviously a hurdle but uh, not necessarily an insurmountable one but I at the same time I still sort of see them as not on the same page that way I think Grey Worm is more interested in Missandei romantically than she is in him. She would be happy to have him as a friend and get to know him better and all that, but I think she is probably less interested in romance than he is. Right. That's my impression. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, uh, uh, again, a good good segue, the, the language-wise of him, of Grey Worm, you know, Learning, whatever the common tongue, Westerosi, and then uh, uh, going into the next scene where he's giving his Spartacus speech uh, in High Valyrian. Thought that was that was well done, um, and it was so well done that actually after the episode, I almost I I couldn't remember that he was actually speaking High Valyrian. I was reading it, and I was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> I was like, Wait, did they have a scene where he was actually speaking right after they had a scene where he's trying to learn and not speaking it very well? That's bad, but then I'm like, oh, he was just speaking high Valerian. It was so natural that you didn't even notice that he was, you know, subtitles. So. I think it's it, it's part of what helps with that a lot is good directing and all you know good performances, and also just the the people who create the languages for the show, like high Valerian or Dothraki or whatever, having it feel like a believable sounding language that the actors can then also perform with emotion goes a long way towards helping us to not just be conscious of reading the subtitles. So I, I agree. I That one was one where it's kind of like thinking back. It's like, oh, yeah, that was in subtitles, but I didn't wasn't even really conscious of it at the time. And I especially like the 
call back to Valar Mogolis and just the idea, and, you know, the, the, the old guy sitting there talking about, you know, we would die if we this. It's always the Masters win and we die. And then he walks in and says, you know, Valar Mogolis, as far as, you know, well, we're all going to die. We might as well try to be free men. Uh, I thought that was great, great callback to that that particular phrase and how they worked it in was very well done. Um, let's see. So we got um, the spider we speech. We could talk briefly about just the fact that the the way they get into marine is different uh, than in the books. I mean, we probably don't want to talk too much about the way it happened in the books because they're probably still going to do something with some aspects of that. But um, we can also just observe that the way it happens in the show is new and different and kind of interesting in that regard, just to have it be more of a, we helped the slaves to take their own city instead of um, us taking the city. Uh, which I like. I like that. I like that, that take on it. I agree. I did to a point. I thought that... This was one of those budgetary type things where it was like, okay, how do we work around not having a big, you know? Well, I mean, they could have extravaganza. Uh, I mean, I thought that that might have gone into some of the decisions. And again, not to spoil, but there was. Um, I mean, we can say that there there are characters that have not been the focus of this season that are around Danny that have had really nothing to do and and doing what they did sort of, took, again, gave them nothing to do once more. So it's like, okay, you know, obviously they'll get to some of the plot stuff later, but it's it's one of those things where you're like, um, okay, well, I guess we're going to let Grey Worm you know, have, have more focus. And then you had the two-second shot of, uh, of, of, of Dario, so he wasn't in much of the episode either. So, yeah. um, but... Uh, did we even yeah, I, see Jorah at all? Just like we saw Barristan. I don't even remember. We he was there in his armor, like standing there right mm -hmm. before Barristan's. Like, um, have a little mercy here, you know, type mm -hmm. yeah. thing. But uh, yeah, he didn't have a a line as far as I remember. But um, yeah, anything else? Um, how did you feel about the the the? Killing of the 163 slavers instead of uh, bringing them into the fold, as as Barristan suggested. It rocked. Yeah. It rocked. Really? I loved it. After I, having to see that little girl, yes, I needed that. See, right. you know, that's that's interesting just because, um, like, I I don't deny the visceral, you know, that, that justice aspect of it, but... A bit like Barristan suggests, I think strategically it's a bad move because, you know, it, she's she's gotten by with that sort of approach all along because she doesn't actually stay anywhere. Mm -hmm. well, at some point, if she wants to actually stay somewhere and rule, she can't just kill everybody. Right, and uh, I totally agree with that. And it's it's one of the things that Chooch actually asked on his things was, what about the power vacuum when Danny goes from one place, you know, mm -hmm. takes control, flies a flag, moves on to the next, takes control, flies a flag, moves on to the next. I suspect we'll hear a bit more about that, not yeah. just for Marine, but also Astapor and Yunkai. Yeah. I, I suspect we haven't heard the last of that. Yeah. 
Well, and yeah, I mean, it's was... easy for me to say I really fucking loved seeing those old guys, you know. <laughs> but I mean, it's well, a fictional story. It's fiction. And I, you see, the real. thing is, too, it's easy to draw the connection because the show puts it that way. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. She killed 163 people. How many of those do you think were personally responsible for the decision to put all those girl, those kids up? I think probably. How do we know that half of them didn't argue against it and were overruled? Well, no, I think it's I think it's like who sewed the direwolf head onto Rob Stark's body. I think lots of people took claim for it and bragged well, about it, and then later on. I mean, but the point knows, is here, we didn't even ask anybody. She just mm -hmm. killed 163 people just because of their social position. Yes. Because someone it's fucked did this up. horrible thing. And she's a child, and that's the thing we keep forgetting about is how old is she in the book? 14, well, no, 16? but that's that's my whole you know? point though, is that that sort of thing, as much as it feels like justice to her, it's is terrible. really just it's blind justice. It's yeah. not real justice. Right. It's visceral like makes me feel better justice. Yeah, it's no not real because she doesn't know that she's actually for all she knows, the people who are actually responsible for that decision were the ones who got to hide out in their pyramid and weren't up there. Yeah. And uh, and so that half the people she nailed up there might have had nothing to do with it at all. Absolutely. She might have been yeah. saying, what are you guys talking about? That's barbaric. We can't do that. And then they're overruled because they can't control everything. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, 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 the, thing, the thing that bothered me most about, about that, not that she did it, but more... Yeah. Her reaction to Barristan, I mean, Barristan is making a you know a recommendation that you know would would seem to be at least something to think about, and she mm -hmm. sort of has that little scoffing moment, like you know, almost I can't believe you even suggested that, you know, mm -hmm. like am I supposed to value your counsel when you're you know saying things that are so so silly, mm -hmm. and all that was sort of captured in just one look, and it's like, okay, what's going to happen in the future when it comes to her, mm -hmm. you know, listen, listening to people around her. Not, I'm not saying she shouldn't have done it. I, I just think that, that some of... Oh, I'm saying of, she should Some of her question. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's not a some complaint her, about the writing. It's a disagreement with the character's action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I like it the, because uh, it's very Danny and it's very Targaryen. And, and I love mm -hmm. that we're getting that because as, as much as she's different from her brother, she is still a Targaryen. And I kind of I like that. She's got her own way of thinking. She's going to make mistakes, that's for darn sure. Yeah. Do mm -hmm. I think strategically it's right? No, I, I agree with Barristan the Bolt. Strategically, that's not what she needed to do. But that's not Danny. So, like, I, mm -hmm. I, I am the kind of reader and viewer that likes it when the characters delve into their emotions. Mm -hmm. Like, I love when Cersei gets batshit crazy. I'm oh, yeah. reveling in that. So I'm reveling in Danny doing this. So, oh, my... I, I'm on the same page there. Like, I'm not criticizing the, the writers of the show or the performance or anything. All of that, I think, is spot on. It's more just a matter of, in my opinion, the character of Daenerys has made a strategic error. It's I still agree. good storytelling, and I like that it happened in the show, but I think it was the wrong move for her. Probably. That's, so that's my point. Uh, Mike McCauley says, I agree with PG. Danny's plotline so far this season uh, seems a bit one-dimensional. Mm. Uh, sort of, yeah. I mean, um, without going into... <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I was done. 
Okay, well, I was just going to say, I think without, you know, without getting into some of the things that we are pretty sure are going to happen later, I think somewhat it's to be, it's intentional right now that they're trying, they've been trying to show that she's on a roll of, hey, this is working, let's keep doing that. And, you know, so we want to see that for a while, but at some point it might stop working and then what? And I think that's, they're, they're setting us up for that. Well, I think she's even got an established pattern where she kind of chastises Jorah and Barristan and all mm -hmm. of them if they, I mean, first of all, if they dare to question her in front of anyone else, they're getting a stare. But mm -hmm. if she's frequently just completely discarded and tossed away any kind of consideration of their advice. And to me, that's kind of what made it feel kind of fake last week, mm. I think it was, when, uh, when they were thinking about, when they were trying to decide who to send in to the city. And um, it was, no, I, I can't live without you. And she's been like cold slapping these boys around for weeks, mm -hmm. just, yep. you know, disregarding their advice and stuff. Well, and then see that? that, I just felt so oh, fucking fake, like it was such a setup for Dario to go in. Well, but I, 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 I don't think it, it. I think it's because it really was all about Dario. Mm. It, it's it's kind of like what I was saying it's, last week yeah. is that on the surface level of what she was saying, it was all about how Dario is the only expendable one. But what it was really about, the subtext was all Dario is the special one who gets to do what he's asking to do. I'm telling no to everybody else. And so I I really liked the subtext and I didn't think it felt fake. I felt I think it felt like there was really an ulterior motive that was driving it without her necessarily even being fully aware of it herself. Hey Nadie, do you know how old she is at this point in the books? Um, well, I don't want to send you. out in the books at 14, and I think they said that it's only, I think, uh, between, I think between Game of Thrones and Feast for Crows, it's like maybe two years. It's really not that long. So she's, you know, but I, the show is very different from the books, and the way that I view, I can separate Danny from the show and Danny from the books, unlike me not being able to do that with Jamie. Um, I don't think that she is meant to be, um, she's meant to be young, but she's not like young, young. She's more like, you know, 18, 19, whatever. She may be naive in some ways, but I don't think she's young. Whereas in the books, she's always reminding us that she's a young girl and she's very young and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, well, she's I mean. But Not she also wasn't. She wasn't raised like Viserys or Joffrey or Rob or any of the sons that were raised to, you know, be in charge and to know how to rule and all of those mm -hmm. things. So she was. She always thought that as you know, she was sure she was going to be married off as some pawn for Viserys. Mm -hmm. So for her to be trying to grow this much with this much power with this much writing on it. Yeah. And I think that her, the way that she was raised basically as property yeah. um, is why she identifies with slaves so much and right. why this is her big mission. I mean, in a world where nobody blinks an eye at slaves, of course the woman who was sold for an army is going to identify with 
slaves with the unsullied and so forth. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I actually like the change that they have in the series, where they have, you know, Grey Worm go and do his whole speech and everything. I didn't feel like it was just saving on budget. I felt like it was, you can't just go around liberating slaves without actually talking to them. This is the first time she gave them the choice. So, whereas in the other uh, cities, she just sacked the city. She didn't ask the slaves. She didn't ask for their consent. But this time, this time, she's really giving them freedom because she's actually giving them the chance to fight for themselves. And I actually think that that is an important change. Mm -hmm. And that's why she's different from Book Danny. Yeah. Sheriff Bullock suggests that... Uh... Slaves are due a long vacation. Uh, they should have had the masters work in the fields, work them to the bone, then maybe kill them. <laughs> well, there's something to that, although I, I think as they say, though, the, the slaves actually outnumber the masters something like four to one, though, so you can't really, you can't really completely replace that labor force. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sheriff Bullock... Uh, you know he's jumping the gun, so he should. You need to save the the highlights of the episode till they happen, <laughs> which of course would be Sir Pounce, which we'll get to soon. Uh, you know, Nutty was very happy, yeah. yes. happy about that. So I oh, had sworn he wasn't going to be part of the series, and then what did I do last week? All I was no, talking about. Well, we're I not going to have Sir Pounce, so I can talk yeah. about him, and then boom, there he is. Well, I thought when well, he that just made everybody out that, first, that well, listened we'll to the show. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait until we, we yeah. So, did we want to, was there anybody, anything anybody else wanted to mention when it comes to uh, the Marine uh, I, I like plot just how Marine today. looks. I mean, in my head, for some reason, I didn't envision it as being any kind of a sort of mountainous or hilly terrain. I sort of, I, I'm not sure why, but I imagined it having sort of a big, wide, flat plain all around it. But uh, I really like how it looks in the show. It's very cool-looking visually. Got kind yeah, of almost this, like an Aztec influence in it, which is cool. Yeah, it had that great shot of her looking over and just seeing the city and just all the different features like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But then they've had probably one of the worst special effects shots where it's like the one shooting up and it has the, the banner, Targaryen banner up on top behind her. And it just looks like... Like something from a from a cheap video game or something. I just it didn't look as good. It looks like a fan manipulation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. We backed it up a couple times to watch it when it was in the long distance shot. Certainly, what the hell it was. Well, it was just. I think it was just one of the more obvious green screen yeah. effects. Yeah. Usually they do a better job of kind of and, covering. Yeah, cons considering how good some of the stuff looked, uh, that that sort of stood out as you know. Is, uh, is not yeah. as good. Obviously. I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel like I minded terribly, but I certainly agree that it wasn't one of the their better ones. So let's jump over to King's Landing then, where we see Jamie uh, practicing with Braun. Jamie's improving. Braun is not impressed. That was me knocking your ass to the dirt with your own hand. That was. Uh, one of the oh, better uh, <laughs> better Braun lines of the season. Um, I like Braun. Even I, I have a question. I I was a little surprised. Now it, it's understandable that some aspects of this are going to be a little different because they've they've changed some things, and so 
not complaining, mind you. But the last we heard about Braun was when Tyrion asked about him and was told, not only can he not come see you, but he's actually being questioned too. But now, here we see him free, and not only free, but acting relatively unconcerned, and then chastising Jaime for not having gone to see Tyrion yet. Which seemed a little bit inconsistent. I would have thought that, you know, you know, again, like we don't know exactly how things might be different in this version, but I thought that he would either be free because he flipped, or he would be himself imprisoned in some way, or maybe just run off. But to see him just continuing the status quo surprised me. I agree. Or I maybe he's maybe he's flipped and we just haven't. Mm -hmm. been, mm -hmm. I no suppose that's opinion, that's no? true. It's possible. Um, I feel like but, he's but, kind of been in the background. I think he's I think he's been in like every episode. I don't think it's shocking that he's around. Like he's grown well, on me. I didn't have a a man crush on him like PG did, but. Um, <laughs> I think, and I was even kind of annoyed initially at the at the change they made and who Jamie's uh, sparring partner was, but I think I think this week's episode helped me kind of get over that. I saw more of a benefit to it than I initially did. So yeah, well I still I did, I did like think it was yeah I did I did think it was not this particular scene, but you know the scene where he actually is with Podrick, which we'll get to. You know, Podrick was the one to say to Tyrion, "Oh, he can't come visit you. He's he's you know, he you're he's a considered a cutthroat, and and they're after him, or however he worded it. And it's like, okay, but he's you know now just hanging out with Podrick and and saying goodbye and stuff. So I I, I did think that was a little strange that Podrick would wouldn't react to to well, that. Well, the and the and then when when Bronn gives him the axe and says, you know, compliments of Tyrion, it's like are we meant to believe that he has since spoken to Tyrion or no? Mm -hmm. Because I, so my only complaint was just that that seemed a little inconsistent without real explanation. Like I could believe, for example, that even if they are looking for him or they suspect him, that uh, Jamie might have uh, used some of his authority to back that off a little bit because of course why, you know, he needs Bronn not locked mm -hmm. up for his own purposes. And so he might have managed to, you know, tell everybody, oh, no, I checked him out, he's fine, um, or something I, like that. Guess, but, again, we just didn't get any of that explanation. Yeah, you know, I yeah. guess I don't remember getting that explanation either. I just remember him, like, standing with Podrick and Tyrion greeting the not, the, mm -hmm. uh, the dude from Dorne. Oh, oh, yeah, well, but all that was before yeah. Joffrey's murder. Yeah. I I just think that um, I don't believe in my, my headcanon for the show. I don't believe that he has gone to see Tyrion. And while he gives the advice to Jamie, he's like, well, why don't you go see him here from himself? He doesn't care if Tyrion is guilty or innocent. Bronn mm -hmm. has never cared about that. He knows that Jamie cares, and that's why he gives him mm -hmm. that advice. I think Bronn is still going to do whatever works out for Bronn. Yeah, and right well, now and it he's might be, playing all of the fields. That's my opinion. Maybe, maybe too. What part of what he's thinking is that he can't go talk to Tyrion because that would tie him further, and it would be a risk to him 
is that if he goes and talks to him, everyone will think he's conspiring with them. But by sort of nudging Jamie in that direction, he's thinking, well, this is what I can do to help. Good idea. Absolutely. That That's probably more accurate. Yeah. And, of course, you know, Jamie... Could have been told by Tyrion, you know, hey, get my axe and give it to, to mm -hmm. Podrick. And Bronn was just happened to be the one who had the had the axe and gave it to him and said, hey, Tyrion, Tyrion wanted you to have this. But again, we did we, we don't also, see that or get that explanation. So who knows? But we also can't rule out that Bronn would just take it upon himself to say, well, <laughs> Tyrion won't be needing it. Yeah. Yep. This is for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did have the good line where. Bron was, you know, saying, you know, how I came into your brother's service, and he's mm -hmm. you know, named, you know, I fought for him, blah blah blah, and he said he, well, you know, he he named you as champion because he knew you would ride day and night to come fight for him, and are you going to fight for him now? Which of course mm -hmm. segues into the the scene with uh, Jamie and Tyrion. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's I mean, it was just well done scene, of course, and just yeah. the idea, but that both of these men are. You know, impotent in certain ways. Um, not a not trying to pun on last week's uh, non-impotence, but uh, the idea that they both, uh, you know, he's lost his hand, he's he's lost his sister in some ways, you know, mm -hmm. and of course he's on his last legs there as far as being uh, about ready to be tried for regicide. Um, what do you think about the scene? Did did Chooch have any uh, any notes on, uh, on on this stuff, Viv? Um, he didn't have anything in particular. I had a few notes. About you. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting that from the very beginning of the scene, Jamie is seated on the ground, and Tyrion is he goes between being seated and standing and walking around and stuff, which puts them, I think, like on a very even like emotional um, level, like. And even like a strategic power play, it's kind of showing that Jamie will come down to, you know, Tyrion's level to talk to him, and that he really values his opinion when it comes down to it. And then uh, that Tyrion is actually standing, and he's got the moral high ground on the debate as well as like the height. He's looking down on Jamie at that point. So I thought that was kind of clever as far as shooting, and the rest of it I just loved. I would love to have more Tyrion and Jamie scenes. I think that. Yeah. I think that, uh, like Brienne, I think that Tyrion brings out the best in Jamie. Cersei brings out the worst, but, you know. Anyways. That's an interesting note about the, the height. I just want to um, have the... Thinking back in my head, I think all of the scenes that we've seen Jamie and Tyrion in, they've each been sitting down, so they've been kind of close to yeah. level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and all of those scenes are very comfortable, and I think that's one of the reasons. Whereas yeah. when you see Tyrion with Cersei... They're never sitting down. Yeah. She's always standing over him. Or, or even when he's sitting with Tywin, he's lower and Tywin is higher yeah. on the other side of the table. Mm -hmm. that's, that's very interesting. Hmm. Well, one other thing that uh, came to mind for me, especially given that Jamie kind of specifically calls it out, is just the idea of how Jamie was forced to sit when he was Rob's prisoner. Um, because him up against the post like that, legs straight out in front of him, was the position that he was kind of in. And I think he was kind of just indulging in the sense memory there a little bit. And, yeah. you know, that, that whole bit of yeah. just kind of 
you know, he he's putting himself in Tyrion's place, and you know, trying to look at the silver lining or or something, but or just kind of, but it's also a little bit making it about himself. I mean, I do they think they certainly they do love each other, but uh, you know, they, neither of them is going to ever be entirely able to let go of their own <laughs> their own uh, feelings, right? I mean, it's it's so I think just that that bit about, um, you know, it's not so bad is a little bit Tyrion trying to, uh, or, you know, Jamie trying to cheer Tyrion up and a little bit thinking, yeah, mine really was worse. This is, you know, this is good, you know. <laughs> so I, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I love the scene uh, too. Yeah, I definitely want to see the, the traveling Kingslayer uh, you know, travel, <laughs> the Kingslayer have them, them on the road. Them on the Brand. road together. Because everybody uh, still thinks she killed the Runley, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, the um, uh, the good line, which Mike Mike McCauley uh, also brings up here, the idea of, um, uh, are you really asking me if I killed your son? And Jamie replies with, are you really asking if I killed my brother? And I, I just love the way that... Uh, he just sort of brings out that, yeah, Cersei asked me to kill you. And he's just like, now that you mentioned it, <laughs> she did She did ask. Yeah. yeah. I just thought that was awesome. So, so uh, do but, you guys uh, feel that you guys feel that their relationship is good, that they're solid? Do they, you think that they believe each other? Because no one ever said, no, I'm not going to, or no, I didn't. Mm. I think so, because, I mean, he... You know, says that to Cersei later. He's like, you know, he didn't, he didn't kill her, or he didn't kill Joffrey. But uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I do think that they both, like I said, they don't have any power anymore, really. Even though Jamie still has his position, but it's like, you know, the idea of, can't you break me out of here? And he's just like, I can't do anything to help you, not directly, because mm -hmm. it's just gonna get me killed doing that. He's just like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so I mean, I feel like sad. It, it's good between them, except for that just central problem of they're both in crappy situations, and they can't, between them, think of anything to any way to fix it. And so it's not that their relationship is bad so much as that they're just both under strain and sadness because they don't know what to do. Right. Uh, and then they had the great line at the end about uh, where Jamie asks about Sansa um, offering a knight knighthood if uh, someone can capture her, bring bring back her head, and and he asks, do you think she you know did it? And he, he uh, Tyrion says Sansa's not a killer, not yet anyway, which I thought mm -hmm. was a great a great line. <laughs> Because we then cut directly to Sansa and Littlefinger. Oh my God! Um, I'm so glad to have Littlefinger back. Oh yes. <laughs> you know, and I read some things from people online uh, reviews or whatever where they they're like they they don't like the choices that you know uh, the actor is making with uh, you know how he's doing the. Oh, I just I just love it, and and the yeah, idea. I, like, that some, I didn't even know what some people. 
Well, just that he's sort of just the way he sort of slithers his li- every line and stuff. Oh, like that. come on, that's exactly what Littlefinger would exactly. do. Yeah, but then, but then the people that are online as well that don't get a creepy McCreeperson vibe from him, and it's like he is the most creepy. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to Sansa, it's like, you know... It's scary. People say that, you know, he's asexual in all these ways. I He's not asexual when it comes to, to he's Sansa. He's very and, specifically uh, sexual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but that was just a wonderful scene between the two of them. What do you have on that, uh, Christiana? I, I, I shouted with joy at the line, <laughs> What do you want? Everything. Everything. <laughs> That's so good. I risk, oh my god. I risk everything uh, to get what I, I want. I I knew that I missed Littlefinger when we weren't seeing him, but I'm just so happy to have him back because I think he's so such such a a great character. I mean, obviously not a nice guy, but I just I love his whole his whole shtick. You know, this whole thing of like eh, you know, gotta risk things to. You know, to to you know, I would risk in um everything to get what I want. Well, what do you want? Everything. And so, so James Bond in this. It's, like, it's, and it's kind of a, it's a parallel to what Varys said about him, which is that he would see the whole kingdom burn if he could rule the ashes, right? Yeah. It's because that is totally what he would do. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's like he almost he like he really, you know, for for all we've talked about how like Varys is wants to serve the realm. Depending on what his, you know, whatever his definition, his definition of serving the realm is, right? Whereas Littlefinger is totally all about he couldn't care less what happens to the realm except that he wants himself to become the leader of it. Like mm-hmm. everything else is secondary to that. Um, and I just love that he has these long plans, and you know, he and that he is deliberately encouraging Sansa to like. Come on, think through it. Tell me what you think happened. You know, he, who, well, who did it? Do you think Tyrion was involved? Well, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. And just he's, he's right. grooming her, which is a perfect follow-up to that whole Tyrion line of she's not a killer, not yet anyway. It's like, well, if anything would make her one, hanging out with Littlefinger more might. You know, and I just, I think yeah. that's so fun. And the whole bit of, um, you know, she's saying, well, you know, uh, if your friends are so predictable, you know, that's not very much like you. And he's like, well, I don't want friends like me. <laughs> and he just says it like, well, obviously that. not. I mean, I wouldn't want it. I'm so unpredictable and untrustworthy. I wouldn't want my friends to be like that. I wouldn't be able to trust them. <laughs> yep. um, um, and, I, and I like the, the the way you were talking, Christiana, about the the way he's sort of, you know, getting off a little bit or just that. That's his form of intimacy is like, you know, like when he talked to Roz and he had complete power over her and he would just share little things with her mm-hmm. and that was sort of his way of, of you know, and it's carrying over with, with Sansa that he's, you know, instructing her in, in, in who he is and that's his form of intimacy with her and mm-hmm. in this case of, uh, you know, seeing being very happy that she's learning about how, you know, the machinations work and, the, you know. He's he's really in control and that sort of thing. So was was it um maybe season two or season one where I think it's Varus who says something about 
um, if the if the Iron Throne ends up being a pile of ashes, Littlefinger wants to be on top of those ashes. Well, I, I do that. Uh, what Christiana said this line, yeah. yeah. It was in season two, and it was um, Varys talking to was it Elena? No, um, I don't remember who he was talking to, but... Uh, I think he was, he was talking yeah, to Yeah, I think it was when they were plotting to get Sansa away from him by marrying her to Loras, was when it, they were having this conversation, and what he said is that he would see the kingdom burn if he could be king of the ashes. Yeah. Oh, man. I just love it. He totally so, would. I, you know, I mean, just, he's such a great... Bad guy, but in a totally <laughs> different way than Joffrey. I love him for it. He's he's a smart bad guy. Well, um, and different even from Tywin yeah. in that respect, too. Very selfish. Mm -hmm. um, did Chooch have any notes about this scene? Um, he just said, and I don't think that we should answer these things, but he mm -hmm. says, uh, Baelish and Sansa, why put the poison in a stone on the necklace? How did it get from there to Joffrey? And then, oh, yeah. well, we can, we can we talk about that. Well, I mean, we but what we can say is, we haven't got knowing what you know now, go rewatch episode two, and you'll <laughs> right. And he says, um, Olena admits to having Joffrey killed. Yeah, I was right. So that was more King's Landing than. And Olena kind of plays with Marjorie's necklace. Yeah. Let it, I mean, I think that was like, I mean, I I know that I had to have signaled Chooch because I rewound that scene with her touching the necklace and, and counting stones and seeing yep. if it showed that one all the way over on that side or not. And, um, you know, so when she reached out, I think that that was an easy callback for, for people that didn't know. Like, like um, in the book, it was actually the hairnet that has different yeah. stones in it and that the stone was in Sansa's hairnet and it was yeah. taken and, and that was where the... The uh, poison was, but um, and Sansa actually discovers that one of the stones is missing right, right. before she sees King's Landing, mm -hmm. and she's like, "Huh?" So like Sansa actually pieces stuff together. It's not yeah. just handed her on a platter. I really thought last week when uh, Littlefinger smashed the necklace, I was like, "Oh, so that was just nothing. That wasn't the poison." Like I thought for some reason because oh. he smashed it that they were getting rid of that idea. Yeah. And then it mm. turns out that they didn't. And I was like, oh, no. okay. <laughs> I, well, I yeah, think... When you, the, when, you, when you broke the necklace, I thought they were going to do what I was hoping, is that they would actually change it, and it was going to be the pie, and then there might even be a different killer and stuff. But then they went down this road, and and I'll get to my big beef in a moment when we get to Elena's scene, but go ahead, Christiana. I think smashing the, the necklace was supposed to show us that the gems weren't real because of how easily they broke, but right. I agree it wasn't right. very clear. I think that was the intent of him smashing the, the gem like that against the, the, the wood is to basic, is supposed to be saying if these were real gems, they wouldn't break the CZ, so the necklace was a fake. Yeah. Um, right. That's... that's but I, I agree they didn't really drive that home, so it wasn't clear that that was what was happening. Yep. Uh, but, uh, you know, at the end of that uh, scene, Littlefinger, you know, mentions that he has friends that, you know, helped him, however he worded it, and then it... I had one of the good seg uh, scene transitions where the the dialogue didn't end until it got you know where he's talking about his friends, 
and then you see uh, uh, Olena and Marjorie walking with one of the great meta lines of any Game of Thrones episode where Olena says, uh, basically, you know, I if I have to walk down in these damn gardens one more time, <laughs> I'm going to throw myself off the cliffs, which is hilarious because, you know, that's yeah. basically 90% of the scenes we get with her are in those damn gardens. So I just thought mm. that was a great meta uh, line in there. But, um, yeah, so we have, again, like we've talked about before, uh, point of view in the books, you don't get Olena uh, and Marjorie talking to each other, and you get sort of a secondary confirmation or at least intimation that uh, you know she was responsible for uh, for Joffrey's death and um, mm -hmm. you know so uh, again some of the book stuff and even even uh, George in an interview I read uh, or at least a part of in Rolling Stone where he was saying he said well you know th the current book, view on what happened to Joffrey is this, but there's nothing to say that that's the complete truth. So, uh, interesting that, you know, don't know if, if the show's going down a little bit further down just to say, hey, this is it, but they still, you know, it was sort of the idea of, uh, you know, Littlefinger saying, I had help, and her saying, ah, you think I was going to let you marry that beast, but not, you know, and the toying with the necklace, so. Mm -hmm. Putting the the two and two together is is obvious what's what's there, but well, the big could there surprise, be other things? The, the bigger surprise for me in that scene, well, I mean, you know, I've read the books, so obviously, I you know was not shocked by Elena, but um, again, because we don't get this point of view in the books, we're never completely sure. But the show, at the very least, seems to be really confirming that Marjorie was not in on the plan at all. Mm -hmm. They didn't tell her anything about it. And so that I was a little surprised by. I would have thought that um, if the Tyrells were so instrumentally involved in this plot that she would know. If only to say, might want to not share Joffrey's wine. You know, I yeah, mean, I have, yeah, I mean, I do have... A major problem with the whole thing of it being the necklace is that your entire assassination plot rests on the idea that this girl is going to wear this necklace to the wedding, when all you have is evidence or is you know reference point is that she got this. They never mention I'll wear it to a big public event. He just says I would love you to wear it, and he she says okay I'll wear it, and it's like that is the whole thing of her getting this necklace in, and then. You know, um, that 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 is that's what you're hinging this whole plot. And if she hadn't been wearing the necklace, what would have happened then? But I mean, um, well, make the same argument with so. the hairnet in the book. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Mean, well, the two are specifically. Well, don't in their scene. I could be wrong about this. In their scene before the wedding, when they're getting ready, where or is it the same? I was thinking there was a scene where Olena um, mm -hmm. sees it before. She well, does. So there she may have been time. Yeah. So, may have been time to you know do something else, but it was like. Mm -hmm. Well, know, Sheriff Bullock in Q and A actually echoes this too, saying, "I'm unclear why Littlefinger put poison in the necklace and had Dantos give the necklace to Sansa, so Lady Elena could take the stone and poison Joffrey. When Elena exactly. could have simply brought the poison with her. Seems like an overly complicated plot. To my mind, the it's a very simpler simple answer 
which is to say, Elena doesn't want to get caught with poison on her. Right. Yeah. If anyone is going to get caught sneaking poison into a royal wedding, how about it be Sansa and not Elena? Yeah. And this goes more towards uh, making Tyrion the target and making Sansa a fugitive, which puts her in a different position. Instead of just being a hostage, she's now a fugitive. Well, I, I suspected that was all... Um, I, I think that was all Littlefinger. Like oh, the Tyrells could have cared less yeah. whether Santa was imprisoned or or I not. Um, I think Littlefinger was basically probably just made that a condition of his help is that Santa get to escape. Yeah. Right. Um, and then one thing that I, I, I you'll have to confirm this because I didn't rewind a whole bunch of times. It seems like they when Marjorie took the cup and put it on the table that Elena would have had to have gotten up and walked over while the pie stuff was going on to, to actually put it. It wasn't on the table. I think she, she was put it in at. the carafe, so. not the glass, because um, if you watch, um, this is one of those things where it's so subtle that you almost can't be sure that's really what they intended. But if you're watching the scene where she has just played with Sansa's necklace... She then walks along the whole feast table right in front of Joffrey and Marjorie, and as she passes the glass carafe that he's filling his cup from, you hear on the soundtrack very faintly, plink. Now, oh. is that intentional? Eh, maybe not. It might have just been a random sound that happened. But I believe, regardless of whether the sound was intentional or not, that's when it happened. I think she didn't put it in the cup. She put it in the carafe that the cup was poured from. And another reason that I was hoping it would be in the pie, it would be a whole lot more direct to, you know, have, if somebody was involved, to have a specific piece of pie given to, you know, Joffrey handed to him. But and I'm sure there's some custom where the, the, the queen feeds the king the first bite of pie, so she would not have gotten any pie before, you know. But, it, how, but how would you get it in a specific piece of the pie compared that to how easy it is? Joffrey yeah. has his own little wine carafe. It's sitting right there. Nobody else is going to drink from it versus this whole giant pie that in theory is going to get split and shared amongst 500 people. Hey, guys. Like, I don't know. Hey guys, remember the scene in um, the Lord Commander's room with Jamie and Joffrey being such a little dickhead and they're talking about plans for the wedding and who's going to be guarding Joffrey and who's going to be guarding Tom and then Joffrey throws off this, I'm not expecting any trouble. He just kind of throws it away and then he starts making fun of Jamie mm -hmm. and now he's dead. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yeah. Does, that, does that make you happy? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, it makes everybody happy. Everybody hated him. Dude, I love, back I love Joffrey. I was happy. I enjoyed every moment this season. I don't know how, yeah. how that happened. He's a fantastic actor. That's how it happened. He's I really know. down. Uh, Mike McCauley says, I was hoping Tywin... I'm sorry. My thing moved before I... God, I don't let it move. Happens. I was hoping that Tywin would have some hand in the murder, realizing that Joffrey is just a bad seed, especially the talk he had shortly after with Tommen regarding the qualities of a good leader. I'm sure he did not mind, you know, overall, 
that Joffrey was killed. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I think the reason that Tywin, it, it couldn't have been Tywin is that although, I, I think as much as Tywin might recognize the beneficial potential in having Joffrey out of the way, I don't think he would ever actually arrange for it to happen himself. Because okay. if nothing else, think how much he hates Tyrion. And if he Tyrion, was willing to have a Lannister killed, why would he have not had Tyrion killed a long time ago? Exactly. I totally agree. I don't think Tywin was responsible. Yeah, I mean, Douglas Lawson said... Uh, would have passed him otherwise, but... <laughs> Douglas Lawson said, still having a hard time believing that Littlefinger was responsible. Grandma Tyrella, yes, but not Littlefinger. I, I have no trouble <sighs> believing that uh, <laughs> Littlefinger would... Uh, would be directly because he wasn't there, so you know, perfect alibi. Just yeah. See, because I think I think that the whole plan. It first of all, it's one thing to say, well, did he really help, or did he just know it was going to happen? It's clearly, he knew it was going to happen. I mean, he sent Dantos to bring Santa out right as it was going on. But um, I think the other aspect of it, the, you know, his involvement in the plan is is not just. Um, you know, like they're putting the poison in, he's providing the scapegoat, right? Because even if they didn't accuse Tyrion, the fact that Sansa fled the scene um, would have made her the target. So the thing is, if Joffrey's going to get poisoned to death, someone has to take the fall for it, right? They can't just leave it a mystery and say, we'll never know, I guess. Someone's going to have to take the fall. So I think part of Littlefinger's involvement in that was arranging for there to be someone to take the blame. Yeah. And it makes sense as co-conspirators also. You wouldn't, I mean, Elena wouldn't go and say, yeah, sure, Peter, you go take off on the boat, and then I'll smuggle in poison, and then I'll get it in his wine glass, and I'll take full accountability. No, she's going to want some other hooker to toe the line with her too. She doesn't want to lose her head or anything else that she's gained or, or God forbid, any good position that Marjorie maybe seeming to be sitting in. Yeah, I think um, the, the thing is, Littlefinger has tried to get Sansa out of there before. Mm -hmm. She's refused to go with him. He needs to make her a fugitive so she has no choice but to go with him. Yep. And that is his whole desire for this. Yeah. He doesn't care if Joffrey's king or not. Like, he really, I don't think he cares at that point. He's not so interested. Olena wants Marjorie to be queen, but doesn't trust Joffrey. So she wants him out of the way. She definitely has motive, and she's smart enough to put this whole thing together. I yeah. don't think that Olena wanted Tyrion to take the blame, but she's totally fine with Sansa becoming a fugitive because the girl's going to be leaving anyway, and mm -hmm. Littlefinger's going to get her out of there. And so she's not too worried about that. Well, nobody could have known. Sorry, yeah, and nobody could have known that t Tyrion would become the cupbearer, you know? Yeah. And well, if that happens, happy accident for Littlefinger, um, mm -hmm. and then uh, you know you you've got all of that working out. Um, my my big rumble with all of this is where does she tell Marjorie this information? I know exactly where she told Marjorie not to make a joke about having spa dead sparrows around her neck. <laughs> You're yeah, and yeah. I think we've got a comment in the Q and A that actually uh, answers a couple of things here too from Sheriff Bullock. 
Uh, first of all, he wants to call Christiana his guru. <laughs> but I like this. Do you think the Kingsguard were patting down guests at the wedding to the extent that they closely examined a necklace? Is the lion's arch staff? Well, it moved. Where'd it go? <laughs> With, with TSA employees. TSA employees, sorry. So, Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would say that they were absolutely checking yeah. people for yeah. weapons. And they, they talk about it. probably pay any attention to a necklace because, first of all, everybody's going to be wearing jewelry of some kind. And, you know, at a superficial inspection, nobody would be able to tell anything about it. That's why the, right. that was the whole point. I mean, and nobody's going to was wearing it and didn't realize anything was up. Right, so, but then nobody's going to notice if Sansa's wearing fake jewels, but they would notice if the Queen of Thorns, if 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 the matriarch of House Tyrell was wearing costume jewelry to her granddaughter's wedding, that might go make them go, what is well, up with but, that? I mean, if to put it in the same kind of verbiage, TSA employees are not gemologists, and they wouldn't necessarily know mm-hmm. a stone. No, but the King's Guard would know, and the other I, ladies uh, would know. Would they? I don't know. What? Why wouldn't Sansa know then? Because she's stupid. <laughs> she, <laughs> hasn't, because she hasn't grown enough to understand. I agree that it's certainly no. true that if anybody thought that it was fake, they wouldn't bat an eye because it's sense. I agree there. Yeah. I don't know that it's oh. obvious that they would be able to tell that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at yeah. the same time, I, I, I do think that um, the Kingsguard absolutely would have been checking people yeah. for weapons. And so that, that you know, that's another reason why um, because there's always the possibility that someone would something would slip and that there would be a problem maybe this stone you know a stone falls off too soon or and someone picks it up and says hey this is weird and you know you never know and that's part of why it had to be Sansa to bring it in because if anyone does find out what's going on it's her that's implicated and not not the Tyrells Yep. That, Couple that's more why. comments. Couple more comments. Wanted to get out before we uh, uh, continue. And uh, uh, first, Mike McCauley agrees with something I was bringing up last episode or this episode, whatever. I watched that pie scene many times, and she clearly feeds him the pie before he drinks the wine. That had me originally thinking that Marjorie may have been involved. I didn't know if that was making her evolve, but I was hoping it was pie because you know, he drank the wine and then he <laughs> stopped and then he at after the first bite of pie he starts with his you know coughing, which prompted him to drink the drink the wine. But I was like, well, maybe it wasn't that it was just dry and caused him to cough, well, but that yeah. was actually the start of the poisoning and it just I think he, from there. He thought the pie was dry because his throat was already starting to close from having drunk yeah, the poisoned wine. Yes. And but um, I think the pie, rather than pigeon pie, was red herring pie. <laughs> nice. It was actually it was cinnamon pie. It was pure cinnamon, and he started to eat it. And <laughs> the things he couldn't swallow. Yeah. He couldn't swallow. Joffrey did not pass the cinnamon challenge. And <laughs> Sheriff Bullock, go ahead, Christian. Um, I was going to say uh, another good point that's been up there for a little while is uh, although Tyrion is a very satisfying target for Cersei, one would think she and Tywin would want to know who actually murdered Joffrey should there be a plot to assassinate other Lannisters like Tommen. Um, I, I tend to agree as far as Tywin is concerned. I, I feel like Cersei is just entirely irrational on this matter. I don't, 
I don't think she is even willing to consider that it could possibly be anyone other than Tyrion. She needs it to be Tyrion in her heart. Yeah. So I so for her, I I think that she feels one hundred percent certain in her heart that it's him, and therefore doesn't need to consider anybody else. Right. I when I would agree, even if he thinks that Tyrion might do it, or might be willing to do it. It does seem like he would be interested in being more sure. Yeah. Especially, yes, I, but I don't know. Yeah, I will be interested to see once we get if you know, things go as as you would think that there is a trial coming, mm-hmm. and we do get to a point where you know it might be at least uh, things might come out at least where we well, would get to see. Well, how is Tywin? Okay. How is Tywin processing this information? Well, and especially and, with Sansa disappearing, and, Tyrion does seem the most right. likely suspect. Or yeah, at least but, one yeah. remaining in the... Right. Poor little fucker. Um, <laughs> Sheriff Bullock remarking that he uh, was putting in Guild, Guild War names <laughs> of places rather than, uh, rather than King's Landing. I assumed he was talking about the giant lion's head that the dwarfs came out of at the wedding. Yeah, that's what I thought. Can we answer Sheriff Bullock's um, other question? Why do you all think Olena picked that moment to poison Joffrey when she could have arranged his death any time before the wedding or after? To secure Marjorie's uh, position because if if Joffrey died before Marjorie had a chance to go through with the wedding, then there would be no pressing need to hook Marjorie up with Tommen. Um, Whereas she's already married Joffrey, and I think it goes further in the books about this, but there is precedent, Mm -hmm. and there is custom that when one brother dies, the other one takes the place. Like, for instance, with Catelyn. um, Now, granted, she never got to the point of marrying Brendan Stark, uh, but they were betrothed, it was official, it was going to happen, whereas this was a very, you know, they had only been mm-hmm. arranged to be married for a little while. It could easily be dissolved and right. uh, Tommen wouldn't have to take that mantle, plus the huge age difference, right? Mm-hmm. So this gives the securing of the arrangement between the Tyrells and the Lannisters, but it keeps Marjorie's maidenhood intact. Right. There's no At least question. in theory. <laughs> well, there's no question. There was, in theory. It was wedding and reception and then yeah. purple Joffrey. So, I mean. Right. So there was never a chance for them to. There was not a betting. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I, you're yeah, enough to marry she's never Because she's never betted before. Wink, wink. <laughs> yes, um, it was. My mother told me all about this. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I agree 100% with Nutty. Nutty's exactly right. That's why, um, now, because, it, you know, it also has the benefit of just happening at the wedding. There's lots of people around, lots of chaos and confusion generally anyway, yeah, and thus making it a little easier for any plot to get lost in the crowd. Yeah. You don't have someone having to sneak into his chamber and potentially gets caught because someone is off their route. Or something, you know. Um, but the uh, but the the primary reason, like Nutty said, is the perfect moment to keep it. Like you know, you have some level of commitment after the wedding, but you don't risk something happening 
for, with Joffrey in the, yeah. the consu- consumption or not consumption, but uh, uh, consummation. Consummation. Um, consumption. Consummation. Yeah. So you don't you don't have to risk that Joffrey is going to be cruel right away. But then also just this idea that if you are preserving at least the public appearance of Marjorie's maidenhood, yeah. then you 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 still have that card to play yep. somewhere down the line, even if the current plan is to just go ahead and proceed with Thomas. Yes, yes uh, Doc Coleman asks, why not wait till the marriage is consummated before killing Joffrey? Sort of just said uh, the, the idea of uh, being a virgin is, is, is a actual card that is played in, in Westeros as far as the whole moving on to Tom and it's 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 better that she hasn't cost, consummated. Right, right. And well and also just think why they're wanting to kill Joffrey in the first place is because he's a monster. Who knows what he would do, what he would do that then. night. I mean it, yeah. And I think Elena recognizes the risk that would come into it if Marjorie had gotten pregnant by Joffrey and then he died. And then it's mm. you know what I mean? I think this was the safest way for Marjorie to still kind of you know, for the Lannisters, it kind of locks the Tyrells into that financial kind of thing that's going on with them financing, like, pretty much all the food for King's Landing, as we're told, and makes so much it, for the forces. You know, makes it almost impossible to just completely call it off. Yep. But also, yeah. you didn't quite have to go all the way through with it. Yeah. And and you've got all that public sympathy too. Um, yeah. We've got from Douglas a question of she's not officially married if there's no bedding ceremony, right? Well, technically, consummation is the final stage of the wedding, but it's not like with uh, Tyrion and Sansa where they got married and then they just didn't consummate, where that could be overturned as if they were never married um, because it was you know they didn't do anything whereas in this case they didn't get a chance to do anything so it's not any fault of Marjorie's that they didn't consummate and that she's um, not pregnant exactly and that she's not pregnant because if she were pregnant then she'd just be in the same position that Cersei is and you're just the mother of the king you're not actually the queen um so this this just is like the perfect perfect timing. Um, the the public loves her. Everybody's sympathetic. You've got the precedent of the younger brother taking over and so forth. She's still publicly pure for yes. you know. And the way they're the way that they're doing the, the line of secession in the show is um, that it just reverts Im- immediately to Tom and mm. rather than there being any real question with Marjorie. I mean, they didn't hold any small council meetings with Marjorie. Clearly. Or, or Marcella, there's even though Marcella is older than Tommen, but they they don't they respect girl, yeah the far away that whole Dorn thing and no sight. Um, the other thing is, uh, she was inspected by a maester. Was that in the show as well? Um, they well, I mean, they didn't they yeah. didn't do anything with that, but uh, I mean that that's obviously something that was more relevant in the books is that yeah. uh, there is all this discussion of. Well, she's supposed to be a virgin, right? So we have someone check yeah, and say and she is, but who is that? Equals mm. OBGYN. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely that, that might be a uh-huh. that might be a topic for future shows at some yeah. point when when things uh, get worse for you know, certain yeah. things. Uh, so, Mike McCauley asks, "How old yeah. is Tommen supposed to be at this part of the story?" 
Uh, looks like he's 14 to 16 on the show. Uh, mm. What was how old? Like 8 to 10, I it's think. like 12. Yeah. 12. Well, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. 8 to 10. I think they've aged him up a little bit, like all the, the kids. Yeah. Right, right, Christiana. They, yeah. I agree. They aged him up yeah. like they did the others. Well, and thank God well, they did, given the scene with Marjorie later. I mean... Yeah, Chooch actually had a comment about that. He says, Marjorie visits Tom and in bed. Thankfully, they don't add pedophilia to the mix, though I don't think that will last long. Well, still <laughs> um, it's a little, but it's better than it would have been. It was creepy, but it wasn't like, call an adult creepy, you know what I mean? It was like, it was, it was a neat way of showing how she reached out to Joffrey and how it failed and how she reaches out to Tom and non-sexually, I think. And uh, you see... You know, that thing that we've seen in Tom and in the little bits that we've seen him in the show, which is that, you know, he laughed when the dwarf war, uh, battle of five kings was going on during the, the wedding. But then it was like he pulled himself up short, like, oh, I, I, that, that's my uncle. I shouldn't like, you know, it's like it wasn't just that he was sitting next to his uncle. You could see that, like, oh, I feel like an ass. You know what I mean? It's like he looks, he seems like he's a good guy where Joffrey was just such a shithead. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it plays much better on the show that he's that age because you can tell he's old enough to at least have you know somewhat budding desires for at least ooh I'd like to kiss this girl whether you know whereas yeah. when you get the the eight to ten year old it's more about more about the cats and I'm a mm -hmm. child and yeah. you're talking to me and you're you know being my friend yeah. so I, I do like the fact that it, it sort of plays into his you know, puberty or what have you, right. where it, but she's still not being too creepy. So yeah, that was that was thankful. Yeah, um, she's, and, she's and not line though. <laughs> the other thing I think about, and I'm going to go back a little bit to like the timing of when Olena did it, which was to kind of secure the alliance as much as could be done with a dead Joffrey, but also that if um, like one of the stigmas for women to get married was were they a virgin or not. And, you know, Nutty talked about that. Another one is whether or not she can bear sons, children, primarily sons. And so if she had been, had her wedding, her marriage to Renly consummated and not produced heirs, if she had slept with Joffrey and not produced any kind of a pregnancy, then it could, then she would lose value as a as a prize because she's thought of as, I mean, in the books you see that she's revered as like, if not the most beautiful woman in Westeros, one of the most, Marjorie is. Yeah. Um, she is like the golden rose of Westeros. You know, she is just widely thought to be beautiful. So, of course, this little boy gets a little turned on and, and stuff like that. And maybe not turned on, but, you know, he's interested because she's so beautiful and she's so kind and she's so sweet. And she says these things about Joffrey that he agrees with and... He's not really been able to say that stuff before, so it's, uh, I think it's and, really. And you know, he likes the whole idea of keeping secrets from Mama. Oh please! <laughs> no, you know he has seen somebody Big Brother to and Mama together. Oh yeah, well, yeah. and and just the way she says is kind of like, well, we're to be man and wife. We'll have a few secrets from her, I hope. <laughs> yeah. And just the way she says that, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, there's a moment there where it's like. Like I wanted to have some secrets from her. <laughs> I know, right? I think he just achieved puberty in that scene. Um, I want to say, I want to say something about the age just really quickly. Oh, yes. um, so in the books, he's really young, like yeah, six. We, you know, he's he's around Rickon's age, which is the whole thing. I think he's a year older than Rickon. Um, and in the first season, when we see him, 
he's little. He sits on Tyrion's lap, you know? And they definitely aged him up because they decided to go a different way. Plus, it means that they have a, a better actor instead mm-hmm. of dealing with a kid that is, you know, five and might turn into not a good actor or might have whatever other problems. The younger the actor, the more problems you're going to have. Um, so... He looks like just a few years younger than Joffrey, but I think he's supposed to be, you know, just just on the edge of puberty here. Um, and then you've got all that secret stuff with Marjorie, which, even though she's very convincing, that's the part where I'm like, ew, ew, getting really creepy here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, all that that stuff. I'm like, uh. But then we're saved by Sir Pounce. Sir Pounce. <laughs> I was so happy. I, I, I love the idea that Joffrey said he was going to cut him, cut up Sir Pounce into little pieces and feed it to him in his food. And he said and he that in the show. Yeah. Season one. What? I'm sorry, Nutty? He says it in the show in season one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did he? I didn't think so. I, I just or maybe I'm just misremembering because the books are very vivid. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, I... I, I'm I'm not saying I don't believe you, I but I just yeah. I certainly don't remember that. It was oh, a, a, a special about? scene only on the Blu-rays. Available <laughs> in Canada. One, one other thing to think about is, like I said, it it could be my my problem is uh, the books are very vivid, so sometimes mm-hmm. I might Honey, remember things that aren't oh, in the sure show. Oh, sure enough. Um, <laughs> but let's not forget Tommen sitting on Cersei's lap, about to be killed oh, in yeah. siege. Mm-hmm. So again, that's another whole like disconnect. It went from sitting oh, on her yeah. lap to oh, Marjorie. Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> the, the show like this, you have you have to make those sorts of pragmatic choices sometimes, and just you know, yeah. the the benefit you reap from making those changes outweighs the uh, the uh, discontinuity. Yes. Sheriff Bullock says uh, it was creepy, but not Littlefinger creepy. <laughs> uh, I actually didn't think it was. Too creepy at all. I thought, you know, I thought it was well done. Not you don't have done. sons, sir. <laughs> yeah, well, it was creepy to me. <laughs> yeah, maybe because if I had been his age, I would have loved to have Marjorie sitting exactly. beside me. Exactly. You know, the, the, the end there when when he when she kisses his forehead, you know, leans in. It looks like he's gonna she's gonna kiss him, and then she kisses his forehead. I just like, oh, right. that was perfect. Thank God for that moment. I think she didn't even know how far to tow that line. You know, like she's making it up as she goes along, and she's oh, like. Yeah. She's an improviser. That's why, that's, you know, yeah. that's why, uh, you know, Elena says, I was very good, but you're better. You know, that whole, you know, yeah. better is all, of course, you know, it's, you can't really. And, po- and possibly yeah, the greatest, the, the, the greatest throwaway line of, I don't want to even explain the, the plot device here of, how did I get past the King's Guard to get into the room? He's like, how did you get past the King's Guard? And she just said, <laughs> Kingsguard and just keeps walking and completely changes the conversation. <laughs> yeah, while I'm sitting like there that. going, okay, we just had a scene where Cersei orders him to put four guards on the door, yeah. and maybe that hadn't happened yet. But the idea that they don't even explain how you know, obviously, well, Jamie's she used her wiles. Yes, <laughs> she used her wiles to get by. But it's, I was you know, if, say I, I, if I'm Go ahead. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, if I was him, I would at least, the next conversation I would have would be with Sir Burroughs on the other side of the door to say, you just let her in? I mean, I'm, you know, you can do it again, thank yeah. you, but at least talk to him, like, uh, don't let people in, <laughs> unless it's her. Uh, so. I, going by your comments so far, I would say that if you were the guard working the door, you would have let her in without hesitating. 
<laughs> and I'm saying that yeah. maybe the other guards did the same thing. I don't know. I would at least go talk to them. They've got Danny walking around tens of thousands of, of newly freed slaves without a guard. Why can't Tom and sleep in bed without a guard? Yeah, well, you know, they didn't just have an assassination in Danny's Danny's location, and she's she's that's, done that the whole time as far as having no protection. So Sharon Bullock. Masters dressed as slaves. Yeah, sure. Sheriff Bullock uh, does does bring up a, a question here about the betting ceremonies. Uh, do they have betting ceremonies in the capital? I get the impression that is a northern custom. The actual you know ceremony, making a big deal about it and carrying people into bedrooms. That I think that's more of a northern thing as you get more uh, you know more wild and, and well, older remember customs. Well, remember Joffrey wanted Joffrey wanted uh, Tyrion and Sansa yeah. to do it at their wedding and. Tyrion had to threaten to uh, cut off <laughs> Joffrey's cock. <laughs> and uh, we've got Catelyn yeah, talking about her bedding ceremony yeah. when she married Ned, and she was married in. in yeah, in, that was in the north. I was I was thinking that the further north you get, the more of a an event as far as you know the the raucous nature of it, where it's still important for any wedding, even in the in the you know in the capital, that it, it may not be as as the show doesn't Rock go too thing. much about it. There's only a couple of mentions of it on the show. But in the books, they talk about it quite heavily. And um, the fact that Tyrion said no was a huge deal. Like, it was it was unheard of to Even not Even beyond the it. wooden cock thing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's done all over. Um, I okay. believe they may not do it in Dorne, though. I can't remember, but I feel like there was something Oberyn might have said. I don't remember. I can't. <laughs> well, but you know, we also do know that it's not entirely without precedent because, of course, what Catelyn says about, you know, Ned. But of course, there's their wedding was also kind of a special circumstance because you know they weren't originally supposed to be the ones getting married, but then Ned's brother was killed, so well, that was all kind of they, messy. They did that at one, didn't they? I don't remember if they did the wedding at River Run or Winterfell, but I mean, he would have been the lord of the Holdfast, so it would have been easy to say, "Fuck you, leave my wife alone." Well, mm -hmm. in the in the show, he did say no, right? Mm -hmm. But in the books, he didn't. Um, yeah. In the show, she says Ned wouldn't stand for it. You know, she was totally expecting it, and then of course they did it with the red wedding. But in the books, you've got her internal monologue and how embarrassed she was that these men, these these bannermen for her father were grabbing at her and and I'm not going to get descriptive because she gets quite descriptive of what they do to mm. her as they're going through the betting ceremony. So it's it's I'm pretty sure she got married at River Run. Either that or the Southern men went to Winterfell. Yeah. I don't know. I, you might uh, be right. I, did, I didn't remember it that way, but I think you're right now that I think about it. Yeah, we've spent a long time talking about the the plot and the scene here. I did want to go back just for a second and see if anybody had anything that they did want to talk about. Jamie and Cersei's scene together, the uh, you know the aftermath of what happened last mm. uh, episode. Um, you know, got the chilly reception from from Cersei. Uh, they have a conversation. You know, whether it's yeah, it's all it's tied to probably in my eyes the the you know what happened in the sept, 
Mm. And then also what, you know, the fact that he did go visit Tyrion and the fact that, you know, he, he was, you know, it's all tied together as far as her anger towards him because, you know, she talks about him. You, know, you always pitied Tyrion and going through that, but then also talking about why did Catelyn Stark set you free and, and questioning him about that. And, you know, you, you, uh, if I sent you out from the capital right now, would you would you bring me her head? And, and he doesn't really answer that uh, as well. So he's he's not just looking good in his sister's eyes at this at this point. Yeah. <laughs> in any um, regard, so she's having more trouble manipulating him than she's ever had. I think. Well, I think also, you know, just in terms of fallout from last week, I I think what seems clear to me is that. It sounds like they weren't really intending the scene to be as full-on rape as it was depicted. I mean, obviously we're all agreed that the way it ended up on the screen very much is, but that it sounds like that wasn't actually what they had in mind, and therefore the rest of the season is not going to act as though that's how it went down, because that's not how it was written. So I think... It seems to me like the intent of the show was to say that it was edgy and aggressive, but more ambiguous, and that that's how the that's how Jamie and Cersei are playing that it went down. Um, and so I think probably the best way to deal with the fallout from that was to is to just say uh, it was not effective at showing the complexity that they wanted it to show. Um, and that's unfortunate, And but uh, we should move forward is my, my personal feeling on it. Um, so although clearly it's, there's no question that uh, even if it was more ambiguous, uh, the, the two are not very close at the moment. And, uh, you know, they are... They're just a hair's breadth from c almost completely severing their relationship entirely, and I don't even just mean their their incestuous relationship, but just like their familial relationship and dealing with each other like as brother and sister at all. Right. Um, one question while we're talking about King's Landing still. Uh, Douglas Lawson asks, so then who is in charge? Marjorie, Tommen, Cersei, Tywin? I guess uh, Joffrey's dead. Tommen has not been coronated. So uh, would it be Hand of the King that's actually in charge at the moment until there's a coronation? Um, or is it by proxy? Or is it Queen Regent is, you know? So what do you think? What's, what's, what would be the, the point of order do you think, Nutty? It's essentially the between the Queen Regent, because the Queen Regent is the uh, caretaker and guardian of the king, and the hand of the king. You know, the hand is the one with the real power, as they always say. Uh, the line is, um, uh, what is it that Robert said? Uh, the king eats and the, the hand takes the crap. <laughs> Um, but uh, the king shits and the hand wipes is the something well, like the that. Book yeah. version versus the TV yeah, show the version. Theory, yeah. So um, <laughs> you've you've got all of that, and it it's basically um, when when we started out, Cersei was in a nice position of power because Joffrey was just a little kid 
in a sense, you know. And then the more he took control, the more she got squoze out. Squoze? Sure. Uh, the more she got uh, <laughs> squeezed out of uh, of her position of power, and she was no longer on council meetings, and she was no longer important. Um, but now that Tywin is there as the hand, it's going to be between the Queen Regent and the Hand, but really, it's what the Hand says, because the Hand has got the rest of the council on his side. If she had the council on her side and it was Tyrion, she might have a better chance, much like she did when Joffrey wasn't very um, involved. But considering that Tommen, and again, it's hard to tell with the book and the show, because in the show they've really aged him up. In the book, he's so young that he's not involved at all. Um, the way that it looks like it's going to go is it looks like Tywin is definitely grooming him, trying to mentor him, and it will definitely be the hand that has the power, and he is going to groom Tommen properly. Um, so Cersei's not going to be given that position of power as Queen Regent as she was, but she is still that position as Oberon definitely pointed out at the wedding that she liked so much. She's she was going to no longer be Queen Regent. Well, she's back to being Queen Regent, so she, she does have some well, good power. But I think the way we think about it in terms of who's really in charge is, like, well, who's been in charge yeah. before the wedding? Yeah. Like, you know, that Cersei yeah. was Queen Regent then, it, uh, unambiguously, but it was still really Tywin calling the shots. Um, and the, the other thing to think about, by the way, if she is Queen Regent, she cannot be forced to marry. Because she has to be there for her son. They can't make her marry sure. Loras if she's Queen Regent. Well, we're gonna have to have a wedding, a wedding real fast. A wedding real fast. So hurry before someone else dies. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's finish up King's Landing. So we have uh, a couple more scenes with Jamie. Uh, we have Jamie and Brienne in the. Uh, um, whatever that room is with the book. Um, so she reads the same page from the book we sort of saw over the shoulder in an earlier episode, reading about Jamie being you know, named the Kingslayer and being pardoned by Robert and so on. Uh, again, bringing up the point that, uh, that he's, he is, his, his page is, is not have a lot of good stuff and, uh, but there's still time to get things written, and he's, uh, I guess, leader of the King's Guard, so he's he's responsible for writing. So does that mean he gets to write his own page there? Well, kind of I think that's the analogy. Yeah, I so know. Barry write something good. Find himself out <laughs> in the book. Yeah. So we have, um, you know, some gifts given to Brienne. Again, a great. Great oh two-person scene <laughs> there with, uh, yeah, giving her the sword, and I loved how he had it draped across his arm and across his gold hand. It was so good. It was beautiful. Yep. That was amazing. I The thing is, is like, I, I was expecting the sword, so, like, as soon as they were in there, I, I, I was yeah. thinking, okay, well, this is going to be that. Um, but then when he uncovered the armor, that was when I started getting a little misty-eyed. It's like, oh! <laughs> but wait, I have another armor. gift for you. Wait, and another, another, one. another one. Yeah. Thank God. What would we do without Podrick at this point? It's it's interesting, you know, just because we talk about the differences that in the books, um, 
Pod was not like assigned to her this way. He actually just follows her in secret at first, and she has to basic. She catches him following her, and basically says, "Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you following me for?" And she, because she at first thought that it was like a spy yeah. out to really, you know, to undermine her mission, right? But uh, then he had to explain. But I feel like this actually just, it's simpler. I like it. Simpler I thought it plays, was... played well. Yeah. yeah. And Bronn was so gentle when he yeah. was like, go ahead, go get her horse, you dumbass. You know, it was so cute. It was the I most tender you hear him fire. Well... <laughs> I don't need just from a practical uh-huh. standpoint too. As capable as Brienne is, yeah. if you're gonna wear a suit of armor like that around, you need a squire. You need you someone need to just to help you get it on and off. It's not yeah. meant to be done one person. So Throat, did she yeah. set the leg up into the horse? I don't. Because he goes, he gets uh, on his knees, ready to get right up, go off. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second, what happened there? I don't know. See, this is where the fan fiction gets written, mm-hmm. you know? It's it's when they cut away to <laughs> other Well, Padraig does have those skills. Um, so lots Tumblr. of fan fiction to happen. Tumblr is going crazy about oh, two things. Uh, oh, both just everybody loving Jamie, uh, just, sorry, not Jamie, uh, Brienne and Pod going off together. Um, <laughs> it's a huge sticking point for fans of the books that we all just love it. They, all of the fan art that's been made over the last couple of years is just all coming out on Tumblr again. All these great renditions of Pod and Jamie and like, <laughs> some of them they're so bizarre because she's so huge and he's so small. Yeah. Um, and so those are great and everybody's loving that. And then there's the whole looks between Brienne and Jamie and Tumblr's like, just kiss already! And <laughs> like as much as I went into my rant last week or my spiel last week about how, yes, they definitely love each other, but is it about a physical relationship? I don't really think so. But it's kind of neat to see that. I I enjoy watching the shipping on on Tumblr. Um, So there's that. Yeah, I tend to agree that even if there's some hypothetical aspect of, of... you know, a more traditional romantic relationship, that that is buried in so many layers of complexity that they would really need to spend a lot more time with each other than they have for that to actually get teased out. Um, You know, it's not ruling out that it's somewhere in the mix, but I think that their dynamic is way more complex than simple um, romantic attraction. Agreed. So, uh, let's see. Do we have anything else there? Oh, one did, last did thing. Did um, you have any other notes about King's Landing? Yeah. Nope. There, but I'm hoping that next week we'll get some okay. juicy tidbits from him. There have been quite a few articles coming out saying that that, uh, that is the last time we will see Sir Pounce, which I don't understand because none of these articles have an actual source. And there's um, a Sir Pounce Tumblr, uh, not Tumblr, sorry, Twitter account that uh, seems to be arguing with everybody that says he's not coming back because he says he has an army. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, I would also, also just like, the, uh, I, I don't see how it's anyone... It's a uh, link to an MTV... Oh, yeah, one I'm of those... I'm that uh, Sir Bullock had a thing in the, in the chat. The MTV, yes, we will put it in the meme roundup. The MTV Sir Pounce fans will love Animated the MTV. Uh, yes. 
Um, I think it's silly for anyone to make an assertion that we'll never see Sir Pounce again. Never is a long time. You never know. Maybe maybe they don't currently have any more scenes with him in this season, but they haven't filmed next season yet. Besides, how hard is it to have Sir Pounce show up again? You have a cat in the scene. That's all you need to know. That's that's what everybody's exactly. saying. There's so much, so much. And I'm sorry, but IMDb has has Sir Pounce listed in three other episodes. So <laughs> come on. IMDb oh, also has. I told you there was no source, and it's not a fact. This is bad reporting. It is not a fact, as I tell my students. Unless you have a credible source. And okay, so IMDb PG says yes, Nutty says no. So we'll find out. No, who's I didn't say no next week, right? But I brought it I up because no. I said I didn't think Sir Pounce is coming into the series since they. Neither one of you want accountability. So if I say he's not coming back, that means he'll come back again. That's okay. because of, I don't care about yeah. Sir Pounce. Yeah, I'm most concerned about Well, no, Sir Pounce is awesome. He rocks. Best kitty ever. But there's Arya, <laughs> there's Gendry, there's lots of cool <laughs> shit to come that doesn't necessarily involve animals. Mm-hmm. There are animals, dragons, direwolves, bears, oh my, but oh about bears. <laughs> bears. But I do like that we have we have a quest. We have a quest. Mm-hmm. You know, we have Brienne on a quest to find Sansa. Yeah. And Although, Arya, a lot. But you know, quests. <laughs> I like quests. Although I felt exactly the same way at this point in the books. So this is this is still only based on what we know right now at this point, which is that Sansa has gotten on a boat with Littlefinger to sail off to the Erie, and Brienne is setting off on horses out of King's Landing. They're not (laughs) paths that are likely to cross anytime soon, and it's just one of those things where you can't... I, I couldn't help but feel like, even though it's great for Brienne to have a quest, you just sort of feel like, boy, you just... (laughs) <laughs> you're not getting off to a good start and you have no way of knowing how far off so you are. Maybe she's like, it's a, it's like her first time in the zone, so she has to go kill ten boars or whatever ah, yeah, and turn in the quest and get the next level up quest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, all I'm so. thinking for some reason in my head, um, I don't know why, but suddenly I'm thinking of Nina Kimberly and it's like, I'm going on a quest for what? Yeah. <laughs> that would be Nina Kimberly the Merciless, which was written by our own Christiana Ellis. Which you can get in print, though, right? Hmm? Can people still get that in print? Yeah. Awesome. Of course. I've got two copies. Actually, no, <laughs> I have one and Rory has one. <laughs> so, are we ready to go to Castle Black? Is there anything else? Okay. Want to yeah, let's go. Uh... <laughs> Awesome. So earlier in the episode, before some of these King's Landing scenes, we had uh, one visit to Castle Black. We had the training montage with John and <laughs> Bren and Locke. Montage. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, we had we have we have some of mirroring dialogue from season two, I guess, where you know Alistair is baiting. Uh, John and Emo John could not hold back and would attack Alistair, but in in After this case he is. Around. Yes, but here he <laughs> is. 
he is not emo John any longer, and he uh, controls his emotions and uh, does you know walks away. Although, you know, there's a pretty good question there. Well, you're not training them, so shouldn't I be training them? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, well, I think um, Thorne's implication was that it was Gren that was supposed to be training them, and John was not supposed to be helping. He was supposed to be emptying a chamber pot somewhere. Yeah. But, yeah, chamber. but, yeah, so, so it wasn't that it was Thorne's job. It was that it was Gren's job, and John wasn't supposed to be helping. It was technically what he said. But otherwise, I agree with your point completely that Thorne's basically just a douche who's making trouble for no apparent reason. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and but then uh, you know after that scene we have uh, Janice Slint making the comment of you know John's popular you better watch it you know there's mm -hmm. going to be a choosing at some point which did that line bother anybody besides me? It was the it, it I it bugged me that it took this long to have any kind of conversation about who's going to take over the command officially rather than just seeing a bunch of old dudes behind uh, the table, you know? I I liked it. I thought it made motives quite clear. What did you dislike yeah. about it? What, yeah, that's what my, I was My ask. thoughts, and, and I, I may have mentioned this last week, I just, the whole setup of the season, I thought, part of it was, okay, John is going to have to deal with the fact that everybody hates him, or the distrusts him, not hates him. And the idea that, you know, a, a couple episodes after, you know, sort of establishing this, that you're back, you were with the Wildlings, and, and you know, no one trusts what you're saying, besides his closest friends, that all of a sudden he's popular, and, oh, we better get him out of here, because I, there's going to be a choosing. I, just, I think I, you're kind of inventing I, I, some of that, though, because the only people who ever actually said that they didn't trust him were Thorne and Slint. Nobody else even ever said anything. Unfortunately, yeah. they're in charge, so their opinion carries weight. You know? But nobody else ever actually gave him a hard time about it. So without wanting to blame you for it, because I'm, you know, I'm not, I, I think you kind of invented that in your head so it's not really fair to hold the show accountable to uh, it. Now, you could I say guess, that I you guess. wish that that had been the direction the show took, but I don't think the show led you on. <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, um, while Thorne didn't trust him and other people gave John a hard time, nobody really likes Thorne anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Thorne, basically, Thorne is the drill sergeant. Thorne is the one that puts all of the men of the Night's Watch through their basic training. And what does he do? He tears them down so he can build them back up and turn them into brothers of the Night's Watch. Nobody's going to like you after you do that. And everyone has experienced that already. Mm -hmm. So that's always, you know, while people didn't like John because he came, because he grew up in Winterfell and they were a bit spiteful about that, nobody really likes Thorne either. So it's not it's not like um, they were really comparing somebody loved against somebody who broke their vows. It was, yeah, we got this jerk that we all hate, and then, yeah, this guy broke his vow because he slept with a woman, but you know, he also brought us this information, and we yeah. gotta focus on And he's train. not raping a house full of women and exactly. young girls <laughs> out in Craster's Keep either, so he gets and, points for that one. And that's the other thing. We've got everybody that came from Craster's, and they it went from you disobeyed your 
disobeyed your vows. This is really serious. And then we get the guys from Craster's, and it's like, holy crap, we've but, got a serious problem out there. We've yeah. lost half our men, and they're all worse than wildlings right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and all so it's very complex. Yeah. See, I feel like the run-of-the-mill guys there. See, I mean, just think about what you have said yourself, PG, about John this season, which is that he has matured substantially mm -hmm. based on his experiences beyond the wall, and I think everyone else is seeing that too. Plus, he knows what's going on out there. You know, he. You know, until, um, you know, we only have a small handful of people that actually were out there, had any experience with what was going on. The You know, the rangers, like most of the rangers died because they went with right. Mormont. So there's not that many left. And so he comes back. He's considerably matured. People are seeing that. He's got kind of this natural, you know, he, you know, grew up with, Ned Stark, so he kind of knows how to act, right? And he's doing better with that. He's kind of, it's coming naturally to him, and so I think people are responding to that. And so even if there might have been some initial distrust, there's also the fact that he is back there with them now, helping them train. You know? No, and I, I think it's more of a, I think it's more of a, and I, my perception of what I guess I wanted based on what was in the books, and, and not to say that the books were different, it's just my memory of things that mm. it was more certain things that he did later on was was his coming out rather than, you know, the idea that, that, that the way it's coming across with, mm -hmm. with things there. So, But yes, you're, well, you're right, is, is my perception rather than what the show is putting across. But, um, well, and that's fair. Uh, don't I? I don't want right. to be telling you that you're wrong to feel the way you did. I, it, no, I'm no, just... no. I, I don't. I, that didn't, is not how it came across. So don't worry about that. Um, okay. But Still we do have. <laughs> now I would have. Always. The uh, the the other thing about there is that we have Locke. Um, oh man, you know, I love how they're. Appearance. I love how they're soft selling that whole plotline. That's great. It's like, wait a minute, isn't that? That is. And then we have, you know, the 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 fast travel uh, hub, and we get there. He's been there and getting gotten gotten himself inside, and you know, a lot faster than the wildlings could find Castle Black and, and do anything. Uh, they uh, he just gets gets there from the Dreadfort and and gets uh, gets on the inside. And well, uh, presumably he you know rode a horse, right? You know, and he went straight there via the roads. <laughs> True. But and then we've got that whole disjointed timeline thing. Yeah, I, well, I agree. It's a little, it's you know, there, it's a little wobbly. That's certainly yeah. true. Yeah, I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not something I'm, I'm complaining about. Just sort of laughing about the, you know, you know, mm -hmm. last no, episode. Yeah. He is. He's. I think you need to go here, and then the next. He's there and already ingrained and in, in getting in the inside and what have you. And who knows what, uh, what. Uh, Ramsey is actually doing now. Um, hey, I was the one that was complaining about how much bigger the dragons got in a couple of weeks. You, you know, so I'm I am on board with the idea of poking gentle fun at disjointed timelines. Yes. yes. Uh, but uh, let's see. So he um, 
I did. I did the. I did like the 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 offer of a handshake with with Locke, and I'm just like, John, don't touch his hand. He might grab it and cut yours <laughs> off. You know? Don't shake his hand. But uh, yeah, so so oh, he's, he's making. They're making friends. So and this good. the the whole subtle awful thing. Well, okay. A, we'll have to circle around back to the fact that apparently John did tell, or uh, Sam did tell John about Bran, which... Yeah, that was oh. surprising. Yeah, um, that, that, but also yeah. just the fact that, oh, look, look who just happens to be standing out in the hallway as they discuss that. And it's like... <gasps> I, like you I said, I just love how, how... You know, I mean, it's not like it's subtle, like you could miss it, but it, I love that they're not really... Um, being too heavy-handed with the whole thing that Locke is doing here. I, I think, you know, as filler material goes, this is some good stuff. Yep. Yeah, I, I did have, uh, you know, like the, like you're saying, the next scene is John and John and Sam talk first talking about Gilly. So the the immediate, I did a wrong thing by taking her to Mole Town, which you know mm-hmm. comes across yep. as. As you know, not disingenuous, but just you know, oh God, here he is. He's being more emo than John ever was. And then uh, you know, they start talking, and then you hear just off the cuff when you told me about Bran being going north of the wall. It's like, okay, that's that's one of the scenes you would be looking forward to see is him telling John this and his reaction to that. And now it's just, mm-hmm. oh yeah, a few weeks ago you told me about yeah. that, and. Uh, well, you know, maybe yeah. they filmed it and Kit Harrington just did a really bad job at acting. Or maybe they just did the like thing. Oh, <laughs> they wanted the screen time for something else. Oh, you no, know? I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, joking. Well, but the, the, I, I agree, though. I feel like that's a notable enough thing. But but then again, what, what occurs to me now that I think about it is, how does that scene go? Hey, John, I happened to run into your brother, but I let him go behind, beyond the wall. What? How could you do that? Well, you know, I tried to talk him into staying, and then he wouldn't. And then, where do you go from there? Like, it's it's a scene that would be hard to actually write, I think. Mm-hmm. No, I, get, I get what you're Especially yeah. since you don't have the book to you know to to go by. That said, I will also say this is like the butterfly effect thing of you know the scene last week with Jamie and Cersei was different because it the timeline was different for them well in this case it's different because there is a character from the books that played into that whole Bran and Sam thing that isn't in the show mm-hmm. and that substantially changes how Sam would feel about the whole thing and i believe that given mm-hmm. how it played out in the show Sam absolutely would tell John and should because right. even though he was not able to persuade Bran and and wasn't in a position to say no, I'm going to force you to come with us. I mean, like there was nothing he could do if Bran was just going to refuse, and then jo- Jojen and Mira and Hodor were going to help him. Like, what could Sam do at that point? Right? He really didn't have any way to force him to come with them. Right. And, and, so, and Sam, Sam in the book, wasn't he? Didn't he give them their his oath that he would not tell? Well, yeah, but there was there was other elements to right. how it played yeah, out in the book that, again, I won't say because you know never know when yeah, they might yeah. bring some of that back into the show. But um, yeah. but there were other elements that were big factors in why he decided that he wouldn't tell yeah. in in the books. 
I agree 100%. Without that element, it really does change everything because he... Now it's just, there's a bunch of kids and a large guy who can only say one word Mm -hmm. going north of the wall. I've read a lot of books. This kind of story does not work out well. Whereas Mm -hmm. with that other element, it's kind of sacred Mm -hmm. duty kind of a situation. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, did anybody get other, and uh, maybe this is one, another one of those just me things, that, that scene, though, is partially just plot device to make an excuse why John, why, excuse me, Bran and them would be close to Craster's Keep. Yes, it absolutely was that, 100%. It just bothered me. I mean, it gave me chills that, you know, it's like lazy writing, uh, you know, because obviously from everything else that we've seen, Bran would never, and... And Jojen and Mira, they 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 want to stay away from any sort of people other than if there's you know if they had established that there was no, they had no food and they were at the last legs and they and they sort of did say that they're low on food earlier, but the idea that they would, you know, even come close to this place that that isn't well. The thing is, is like I I I think it is lazy writing. I wasn't too bothered by it, but especially given that. They were trying to stay away from people, and were just coincidentally near Craster's. And yet, John's whole theory for why they might be at Craster's was that they would be seeking out some place to shelter. That's exactly right. And yeah. so that doesn't align. And so it really is just coincidence. It's a coincidence that I'm willing to accept. But I agree that it it's basically they're just trying to force. Well, how can we have that? Those two we have this, yes. intersect, but I think. And well, then the I, other piece being, I was just going to say, and the, but tied into that is the idea that okay, let's have the baby crying be another impetus for him. Okay, let me warg, and then he, I'll well, go so, up there and say it. it was sort of like you know one thing, thing after another is sort of getting him to this yeah. place to be captured or whatever. I didn't have any problem with any of that, although I acknowledge that it's a little bit contrived. The, the, the one thing that I really was annoyed by is, sure, okay, they've decided to keep Ghost alive. I'm, I'm so happy that Ghost <laughs> is around, we know where he is, and that he's doing okay if imprisoned, that I don't mind this per se, but... Why on earth would these mutineers <laughs> form this cage to keep Ghost out and then make a trap big enough to catch another <laughs> direwolf right outside that cage? Like, what sense does that make? Why would they do that? that um, like, unless they were trying to use it to catch anything that would go after Ghost as a way well, of trapping. What in the forest? Why would you go, go after, after Ghost? Direwolf, um, yeah, wildlings, uh, white walkers. So that was your one horses. Or the direwolf, because a direwolf can actually tear apart a white walker. Yeah, is it, that was so. That was the the piece that These made me roll right my eyes, but. Uh, Again, it's yeah. like I wasn't too bothered, but this is—it's like what I was saying at the beginning—is that there's some stuff in here that's very clearly filler, and because I know that there's some filler that's needed at this point, mm-hmm. um, I'm willing to be more forgiving of it. Um, but that said, yeah. I think we 
can all acknowledge that's what it is. I don't, I mean, I don't know. That didn't bother me that much. What bothered me was the two fucking direwolves being basically two feet apart and not smelling each other at any point or raising <laughs> alert to each other. There's no howling. There's no nothing. It's just suddenly summer's next to ghost and, oh, a trap. But why did they not know? You know what I mean? It's not like, it's, they weren't, they were close enough that I think that they, that, that summer and ghost should have known that they were there. Yeah. Well, remember that Summer no, wasn't. That's my final summer. Summer statement. Was, that's it. Summer was. Well, summer was Brand. Right. So it wasn't summer. Summer saying. No, she means know, the fact that they Brand smell each other. Well, yeah, but before the work thing, if they could hear the baby cry, why would we think that the direwolves can smell each other? I mean, we know okay. that animals have such a heightened sense of smell, okay. especially. Uh, I, see what you, I see what you're saying. Well, Brand in have... summer though might not know what he was smelling. Um, probably not in the way we see it in the show so far, but in the book. I think we're already having to lean pretty far over yeah, just to try to make it work, yeah, so I don't know that it's worth spending that much time on it. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't mind, trail I don't mind the, um, yeah, I don't mind the fact that there is a trap around Craster's Keep that could be large enough to catch. The fact that Ghost is still alive is what is like, why would you do that? It's not like know. this is a I, creature I, you could ever control in any way whatsoever. You know, why would you why would you have this here and feed it and keep it well, alive? Well, I bought why it just on the basis that Carl is an insane bastard. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So let's talk about uh, the insane bastard. So um, we we I kept calling him um, Owen, by the way, in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my uh, that's who we talked to my I talked to yeah, I talked to my friend Kevin today, and uh, you know he he has never seen Torchwood, and I was like, well, he was a guy in Torchwood, and he was like, no, nah, I don't remember. So he was the crazy scientist in uh, Pacific Rim. It's like, oh, okay, I remember that guy. And I was like, yeah. I said this is one another one of those examples where they, um, you know, introduce this character five seconds before he kills, you know, Lord, Lord Mormont, and then you don't see him for a whole season, and they now he's back, and and people are expected to remember this is the guy that that started the mutiny. It was you know it wasn't Rast or whatever. So after thirty seconds of screen time, so uh, you know, for those of us who recognize him from other shows or things, then that, that makes him much more memorable. But uh, you know, one of those mm-hmm. problems just with this type size of cast being able to give people enough screen time to recognize yeah. them later on and what their importance might be is just a, a hard thing to do. Um, so, anyway. I thought the uh, performance sold what could have been some really awkward writing, like him narrating to himself that he's drinking wine out of Gior Mormont's skull, the way nobody would actually talk to themselves. <laughs> and and having to go on and on about, you know, like, this, like do you know, you know how much they used to Pay me to kill people back in King's Landing. And the thing is, like... Seven pieces of silver. Now, the thing is, I... The, the performance sold it for me. Yeah. But if I was just looking at it on the page, I would say, you know, it, it reminds me of um, that episode of Futurama where Fry does the musical with the, the devil's robot hands and there's the whole thing. But at one point, the, uh, the robot devil storms onto the stage and says, your lyrics lack subtlety. You can't just have your characters announce how they're feeling. That makes me feel angry. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> I knew exactly where oh, you were awesome. going with that. <laughs> that makes me feel angry. Uh-oh. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the scene itself, and, you know, we talk about the, the rape of, or was it rape of last week, and then, mm. then you have the entire uh, scene in there, which, uh, you know, whether you want to call it the, the show being gratuitous in, in certain ways when they don't have to be quite so much or you know, what have you. I, I, it didn't bother me from the, with the idea of this is what these people would be doing because that's obviously what they would be doing. But you know, mm. whether it was, it was too much for, or they showed more than they needed to, I don't know. I, I think that was but, set up uh, for uh, Mira's reaction later because bravo to that actress she freaking sold it I mean you could read everything she was thinking on her face she's like we gotta get out of here now and they're like oh we can't and she's like fuck you guys because that's not gonna happen to you that's gonna happen to me and I think like us seeing that is what they were setting up for it and then internally my meta head was going yeah they they, they were really upset about Jamie raping uh, raping not Brienne jeez wrong with me. Raping uh, Cersei last week. Well, guess what? Here's some more rape. Oh, and there's some more rape, and here's some more rape. Yeah, this show's disturbing. Get used to it. Yeah. I I, I think that there's some room for criticism just in the sense of saying that it's, it's, it's not that it's, that rape is completely out of place in the world of this show. Um, or that it can't be something that would happen and you can't, it's not like it's off limits. But at the same time, I think it has and can be something that it just becomes like their go-to to say, yeah. well, we want to show this guy's bad, so let's have him rape somebody. Yeah. And then it really just becomes a plot device as opposed to any kind of a meaningful, um, you know, look at something real, you know, and it just becomes shorthand for saying this is a bad guy. I think and that's so certainly think, true, but um, I don't think that it's something that gets overplayed, I think, as long yeah, as... Yeah, I, I don't have a big complaint about this show specifically in that sense as much as I think it's just good to be aware that that's a possible thing um, mm-hmm. and to just uh, to think about it, you know, so when when something like this happens in the show, it's worth talking about. It's like, well, did it have to be that way or could they have done something differently? And certainly for people who are actually, you know, uh, doing trying to be creative and make their own things, you know, keep that in mind is that, you know, sometimes it can be lazy writing to just always say, well, how do you say someone's a bad guy and make them rape someone? Yeah. I think I think other than child abuse, it's one of the most effective ways because it still happens so much. Oh, and yeah. I mean, clearly it 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 works, but like, I mean, I can't think of like another crime that could be committed against a woman in these ages, this kind of timeline that's being represented. Even though mm-hmm. it's a, a fantasy timeline, it's it's been um, pretty accurate, I think, on the the violence towards women and the way they're treated during the bedding after they're married. You know, mm-hmm. as Nettie was saying, some of the things that happened to the, the the new bride, you know, on their way to their wedding bed. It's just violence and women are property and mm-hmm. it just fucking sucks that that's the way it is, but it's that way everywhere. So I think that the book is, the books and the TV show show a lot of rape, but I think that that happens a lot in this kind of a situation. 
-hmm. But I, I like what Christiana says, though, where it's, especially to people who want to create their own properties, um, ha don't just throw rape in mm -hmm. to, to make somebody bad. Have a reason for it. Like, for instance, in this scene, I really feel that it's there so that we know why Mira is going all bug-eyed and crazy oh, yeah. about we've it all, later. We all, we've just all like, felt that. Yeah. No, no, no. I and 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 just like in the scene with um, Arya and the Hound, and that girls being basically molested in front of them, I think that's for Arya to to just see like, okay, th that could be me, but I'm I'm here with the Hound, so I need to stay Things by his could side. Be worse than being with yeah. the Hound. So <laughs> each time that we see it, so far, and I could have missed some, but so far, they've tread the line well. Mm -hmm. But it is something to be aware of, you know, because a lot of shows, not Game of Thrones so far yet, I'm not trying to make absolute statements, but a lot of shows will just throw this in there. It's like, oh, he's a bad guy. You have him a reaper. Yeah. Well, there's something else you could have him do to mm -hmm. show that he's a bad guy. Well, because I think what, what happens is... Lots of times when a rape happens in a story, and again, I'm not criticizing any specific example, but it becomes not about an actual crime with a victim that is a human being. It becomes the victim is a piece of furniture, is a prop yeah. to be a shorthand for establishing a character trait instead of it being like an actual meaningful look at right. something with, you know, a human being involved. Um, and, and, and again, it's like I'm not saying specific examples from the show do that as much as just that's, that's the thing to think about and, and be aware of. And everybody's going to draw that line somewhere different. And so when people are complaining about the rape in this show, that's, I think, where they're coming from whether we agree exactly where the line goes or not, um, that's the that's the argument, I think. One thing I actually did like was the fact that the violence that was occurring was occurring around Carl, but he wasn't actually, you know, in the middle of raping someone. Mm. It just showed, it just showed even more I'm the most evil guy here, even with all this going on around me. Um, and I didn't buy that that, that Lord G.R. Mormont's uh, skull would be that small. It should have been bigger. <laughs> just my yes. just my thought. But uh, uh, so he is captured, uh, or they are captured. Um, I mean, my thought there actually just briefly was yeah. that um, it demonstrates how a skull does not actually make a very good wine glass. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the one thing I did, uh, I thought was very much tied to, oh, we wanted to do this little special effect, but it really didn't make a whole lot of sense was, um, you know, uh, uh, excuse me, Ghost is, uh, surrounded by snow, so he has a water supply, and mm. Rasp pours out water onto the ground, the only purpose for, of which was so that it could freeze, to show yeah. that the White Walker was coming up, so I just I really hated that mm -hmm. that little ten yeah. second thing there. Um, but um, you know, he's you hear the or the, you don't see, but the baby gets taken. They uh, Summer is captured, then they get captured. Then you have the scene where Carl is is tormenting them, 
uh, and uh, uh, Jojen has his his fit and falls down, and uh, Bran admits or tells them who he is. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We have the potential of a Stark meeting a Stark. Could it be? Never Will it happened. happen? No. Lies. Yeah, I, I um, mean, I, I would we, actually we kind remark. of like it if, if it did, but I feel like for a filler storyline, I don't feel like I am skeptical that they would allow it to diverge as far as to allow Bran and John to actually meet up. I think that something will happen so that Bran is gone before yeah. John gets there. Yeah, this, I mean, this is this is not really spoiler, but it is. I mean, just to the point where one of the big things that everybody is, is when reading these books is that you want Starks to meet Starks and get back together again so badly, mm -hmm. and you know, I, obviously I we're saying might. that if it does happen here, it, it, it well, will be I mean, a change, it could. So. I, I will be surprised if it does, but I'm certainly, you know, that seems to be the trajectory they're both on at the moment. I, I think it I think it might happen. Um, I think that so much of what's going on with John and Bran right now is such a departure from the books mm -hmm. that anything is possible. Um, as we said before, that element that was with Bran throughout this whole process wasn't there, and that element would have kept him away from Crasters, would have explained to him what this crying child was. Everything would have been completely different. Um, but without that element, they fall into this. Um, and um, I, yeah, so. I right now, it could be very good. If they, if they handle this well, it could be very good. It's very exciting mm -hmm. for us book readers to not know what's going to happen. And the, the, the thing I want to explain to people who haven't read the books is that so much of Bran's story goes on inside his head that you can't show that on TV and make it interesting. Mm -hmm. There's already a big contingent of fans that tell me that they skip the brand chapters, which makes me go, what? what? Yeah, I mean, skip the brand chapters um, because they find brand boring. Now, imagine if hmm. you, you, you're trying to show all of this internal stuff on TV. It's just not going to work. So I kind of like that they're changing all of this. Mm -hmm. um, but it could go very badly. So I'm reserving judgment, but I am hopeful. Yeah. Here, here's well, well, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, because okay. mine goes into a later right. scene. So go ahead. So, even though my my gut is telling me that I don't think that they'll ever actually get to meet, I just I I almost feel like it's almost that aspect of this story where the instant you start to want something, the show will take it away from you. Um. But anyway, I, I, what I would think would be really cool, though, if they did meet, is that it would allow the connection, the connecting of a couple of dots in a way that doesn't really happen in, and I don't even just mean in characters getting to meet, but the more mystical aspect of this conflict that Bran is experiencing versus the more practical, visceral aspects that John is dealing with in terms of Night's Watch that actually has to, you know, like swing swords at whites and, you know, you know zom frozen zombies and white walkers and stuff like that versus what Bran's going through, this more mystical aspect of it, and to have them both be able to just compare notes just a little bit 
and each of them have a bigger sense of what's going on in a way that also lets the audience make those two things connect a bit better. Um, I think that would be really great. And, you know, plus just would be happy to see those two things, especially because you almost know for sure that it would have to end with John deciding to let Bran continue on his way, which, you know, just imagining what they would have to do for that to make sense for the characters um, would be really exciting to see. My guess is that something else will separate them before that could happen, but it would be cool to see. I'm, I'm hopeful for all that you said. That's one of the things that gives me hope, and I really, that's how I think that they could do this very well. Um, they could take care of certain elements that are missing in Bran's story, and they can take care of elements that are missing in John's story, and it could just be awesome. <laughs> and you know what? The fan in me just wants to say, let, let John give him a hug before he has to let him go again, and then he lets him go again, and it's all painful again, so so the balance is not ruined, but you know, we, we've got that opportunity. Um, the other thing no, I do want to bring up is it. poor fucking Hodor. That Aww. killed me! Mm. Am I the only one that was just like crying? No, I think we all pretty much lost our shit. I don't think you're the only one. I'm <laughs> Definitely like, that was built to break us. That was built to make us all screaming. I'm mm. waiting for Bran to warg into Hodor to break test if you didn't. kill everyone. I'm waiting for Bran to warg into Owen or Carl or whatever his name is and kill everyone that way. I want a little bit of Arya inside of uh, Bran. It's not happening. Um, <laughs> it was just, okay. it was just really crazy. Are we not doing phrasing now? Not literally. I have a question. Um, <laughs> do we have an explanation other than the visions take their toll on why Jojen looks so fucked up? Because he is weak and he is sweaty and clammy and they're carrying him around. And yeah, it they haven't, like they haven't really done it. that he's gone through and it seems like the only excuse has been the visions. Yeah, I, yeah, I think... Uh, they, unless they, it's a spoiler... It's well, no, I, I mean, they, they've mm. said in the past, remember when we saw Jojen have a seizure, I think that was back in season three, when he had the vision and he had this, the, the seizure and they were talking about how the visions actually take a lot out of him. Right, that's what I was um, And so they kind of set it up, but they haven't really reminded us that that's why he looks so so pale and sick. Yeah. Um, but my guess is that we'll we'll hear more about that going on because, I mean, if, if he's yeah. that... He looked pretty rough. You know what I mean? Like if no, they're continuing to travel bad. and he's that bad, just... that's they're gonna have to address that. And yeah. they they did address it a little bit last season when he was having seizures and Osha was saying, you know, he's so weak and you have to take care of him and she's like, Yeah, sometimes we have people take care of us and she points out how Osha's doing the same thing with Bran and yada yada yada. Mm -hmm. So it's been addressed, but it's not really a main focus, I think. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I I do have one thing though, and this is more of a joke than actually a complaint. Is the idea that uh, we talked about this element that we keep mentioning, which is basically a character that is in the book that you know we won't describe too much, but it's it's sort of mystical, mythical, you know, very very magical, very you know, wildling north of the wall type stuff. And we're like, well, it sort of makes sense that they didn't have that, you know, include that because that's. Just a little step off that off the edge that maybe the show didn't want to do. But then they have this 
weird-ass shit at the end of the episode <laughs> where they go completely, you know, crazy with, uh, you know, White Walkers and, and kings and demons and crowns coming out of the, the mm -hmm. skull and what have you. And, uh, and HBO did the big one, too. It was yeah, they, they, stated that they've released spoilers for book readers. Yes, but they didn't have that. Here, the thing is... Everything's a spoiler for me. I haven't read book five well, yet. I also, like... Well, well the thing is, like, I... Just tired. My opinion is, this is not a spoiler, and it's dumb to say that it is. Yeah. Now, yeah. it's interesting to talk about, but, like, a spoiler to me is, like, oh, such and such a character dies, or, hey, there's a big war, and this, you know, this side loses. A spoiler is not... I'm, Oh, hey, there's this myth, and it turns out parts of it might be true. What I was like referencing that. was a statement that HBO actually put out and then rescinded. Well, but okay, are you talking about the Night King thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. but that's like the yeah, still. And I don't even know. Yeah, and I don't even know. I'm, talking I'm about bringing it. up the kerfuffle. I'm just bringing up the subject. I know. Well, and oh, my and opinion the, is that the people who are making it a kerfuffle are wrong to do so, and it's silly. That's my opinion. Yeah. Okay. It's no. an interesting to talk about. Yeah, and I agree. And I don't think that, that you I think we can talk about it in the in the context of what, what this is. People are like, what are they talking about for the last five minutes? So HBO had a, an episode episode description or some some text where they referenced, you know, the character at the end with the little crown as as what is it, Night King? Yeah. And there is a you know a story that's sort of ancillary information that you can get through the books and things about the Night King, and so you know the very deep down geeks that know this this character name and and, and what it represents, you know, they're saying, oh, this is this is a character a character in the show. Then you're 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 tying this thing in. To oh my gosh, they're they're out ahead even where George R. R. Martin is in in the book writing, and mm. that isn't necessarily the case mm. at all. He may you know again they've got outline of what Martin's doing, but there's nothing to say that Martin ever references ever you know more than just the mythology of and the stories around this Night King. So I prefer to think of him as like Ice King and have Finn and yeah. Jake and Marceline come in and fix it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's little references like this, and I call them Easter eggs. You know, whenever they bring up, uh, like when Old Nan, because this this is from an Old Nan story, right? That's why yeah. it's not a spoiler, because you hear Old Nan telling the story in like book one or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and in in this show, she says, "Oh, let me tell you about Sir Duncan the Tall," and everyone's all like, "Oh my God, that's that's the Hedge Knight," and we're all excited. And then we see Sir Duncan's page in the in the in the book with the the mm -hmm. Kingsguard, and you know these things to me are like Easter eggs, and they're little nods to the book readers, like, "Yeah, you remember that? You you're a big old nerd. You've been reading these books for a long time, and we're going to give you a little payoff. And so, I don't really think that it was a spoiler, but I think people exactly. turned it, like, some people will say, if you tell me that you really liked it, that's a spoiler. And I'm like, it's not a spoiler. No. What yeah. did I spoil? I liked the Avengers. That didn't ruin the movie for you, you know? Um, yeah, it's I'm really like, sick um, of the spoiler. And the other thing is that, uh, 
you know, some of the extras on one of the Blu-ray seasons, the Night King is mentioned, and, and they have a little snippet mm-hmm. on it. So the idea that, okay, it's something that has already been established, at least on, you know, the DVDs of the HBO mm-hmm. show, the fact that they're bringing it up again, it's actually a connective thing that's actually pretty cool, oh. not that it's, we're trying to ruin future books for people that haven't read books six and seven. That's ridiculous. I just stopped reading the article, so I wouldn't get spoiled <laughs> on anything that wasn't a headline. But that's right. crazy. I just, crazy I just I spoiled it for you. It's, no, 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 because I spaced out. <laughs> I, so, yeah, I, I feel like the fact that a character called the Night King exists is not something I would call a spoiler, especially when what we're talking about is gosh, do you think the White Walkers might have some kind of a leader that we'll have to deal with at some point? No, that couldn't possibly be something that would happen. Of course not. You're crazy, Christiana. Um, <laughs> I, don't think that, I don't think that Viv is saying it's a spoiler either. Oh, I know, I definitely know. Definitely wasn't. No, no. My whole thing is that it's the people have gotten, like, I am dead set against somebody, you know, live tweeting exactly what happens in an episode as you're watching it. That's really not fair to people on other coasts because, you know, Twitter, there is no spoiler space, whatever. You you can't yeah. scroll past um, unless you just don't read anyone's tweets and then why be involved in social media. But yeah. there are people that are so panicked over spoilers that they go to the extreme, and then they create this controversy, and that's what this whole thing is. It's a created controversy. Kind of what my point was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's why I wanted to mention that, because it's just like, what are we even talking about? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Viv, if, if any of that came across like I was, I was saying that we, we shouldn't talk about it, or that, no. I mean, I know you were just bringing it up, but I guess I was just sort of so eager to jump on the idea that I disagree with the people who are saying it's it's, a big spoiler. Whether it's a spoiler or not, the whole discussion is tedious. I mean, it's Seth Meyers is quick becoming one of my favorite celebrities because he keeps making these little jokes about people that cry spoiler and cover their ears and run away, and Mm -hmm. I'm really digging that because it's pretty much the way I feel about it, too. Stop reading, stop listening, or you're spoiling yourself. Well, and also just one of the things that is fun about a great TV show especially for the people who like it enough to be watching it live, is they want to be able to talk about it. And if just because you haven't bothered to see something yet... Mm-hmm. Now, again, I think there's some room for discretion, like Nunny was saying, actually naturally, live naturally. tweeting in a way that people can't avoid at a time when some people wouldn't, couldn't possibly have managed right. to see something yet. That's bad form. But again, when we're talking about something like this, it just starts getting silly, and people who are so dead set against hearing anything about it, they're the ones that they are making other people's enjoyment less because they aren't able to talk about something they've experienced. Yeah. Preach it. Yeah, that's why we, right, I mean, we played a clip from him earlier, and it's 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 really oh true. Gosh. There is a period of time that has to happen. It's only kindness, and yeah. I think a lot well, of us learn that. It's like that in what we're doing years. here. We're we're we try to avoid book spoilers to the extent that we can, and only talk about what's happened on the show so far. And I, I think totally that's entirely reasonable. Everyone about Sir Pounce. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you are that. such a Man. bad person. Oh my god, that was yeah. worse than giving I away I tried to stop wedding. you. I was sitting there saying, don't they're going to do it maybe next episode. Um, so let's, let's move on. We, we have, we have uh, fully 
you know, gone over this whole thing, the whole kerfuffle, which I wanted to do since we didn't want to speak in generalities and people not understanding. But we did bring up the character that may or may not be a Night King yes. and what he did to Baby. So I don't care about rape and stuff <laughs> as much as what happened to that poor little baby. No, fuck that oh, shit. What he did to babies. <laughs> just like, I, All the babies. I'm just amused by the way you... With that, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so again, talking spires. about. Go right. ahead, another. Thing. I was I was counting the spires. I'm like, how many spires are in Stonehenge? Okay. Oh, there's ten here. Okay, that has nothing to do with seven. It's not a prime number. It's not twelve. And I'm trying to come up with significance. And I'm like, it's just a set. Move on. Well, <laughs> you know, how many they had. <laughs> I've done that from time to time. Every time the White Walkers have left things in a pattern or like the burn setup for Khaleesi's big birthing of dragons and all that stuff, I've always mm -hmm. looked back and tried to figure out what those patterns go back to, and I fuck all. I have no idea. I think it might be one of those that maybe somebody knows, but maybe it's just... Yeah, I, I think it. You know, it's it's fun to want there to be some additional layer of complexity and everything, but I think sometimes it's really just about... That's what the set designer thought looked cool. Sometimes yeah. a cigar is just a yeah. cigar. Big so does anybody else? Does anybody else want to see the little playpen with like little blue-eyed babies that no. are ranging from, <laughs> yeah, from, from baby size to like you know like, 20, 20 years where, old type yeah. thing? No, yeah, no, we don't White need to see daycare that. center. They have done enough. <laughs> and I tell you what, after raping uh, Cersei on Joffrey's dead body. And after doing whatever the fuck they just did to that little baby, I'm really getting kind of pissed off, and I think they need to tread a little lightly. I'm saying this, which is saying a lot. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of the books, but I'm getting a little pissed off at every week getting punched in the throat again. So all are all of the White Walkers Crasters kids? How could we possibly I don't, know? I don't think all I'm just them putting are. the question out there. Because Craster hasn't been having kids since the last time, you know. <laughs> that Yeah. So yeah, is it is it possible that the whatever, however many they show, sort of out of focus from baby point of view, off in the distance, are all of them Craster's kids in different ages? Is there super grow formula that brings them <laughs> to that age? Uh, we don't know. Um, Would there but, be a rush? Uh, uh, you know, yeah, well, I, there's I, that. I mean, again, and one of the things about this is that we are in show territory, show new territory as far yeah. as this goes. And it's, yeah. it's so interesting that's, that's to... That's worth saying. Like, you know, we were I was talking, rolling my eyes about calling it like a big spoiler or something earlier, but it's certainly true that we're seeing stuff that we have not seen in the books. That's definitely true. Yes, you look simmer down, down, Hollyfield. Calm right, the fuck down. Um, I, I, I don't... I didn't get the impression that we were supposed to believe that all of them were Craster's kids so much as I, I, I just got the feeling that all we were supposed to take from that was that that's maybe how the White Walkers reproduce in general is by taking and changing humans. Maybe, may, and it's not even necessarily always infants, although it seems like that might be a preference or something they like. But um, I didn't get the impression that it was supposed to be all Craster's kids as much as just that is what has been happening to Craster's kids. And maybe they don't have a choice because yes. they're only giving them boys, so it's not like they can reproduce 
manually. Because mm. <laughs> they only have boys. Yeah, so, and even if they got yeah. a girl once in a while, yeah, they would not to steal kids. Exactly. Maybe there's That's, two ways yeah. to reproduce. Those white walkers yeah. just need to get laid. Yeah. <laughs> They're just, they're, they're just nice guys. Yeah, but, you know, we, we, we've established through just sight that, you know, we have these zombie-like creatures that are in, you know, from the very beginning of season one, you had the little girl that was dead on the tree, and then she was oh, yeah. you know, became zombie walker type thing. That's um, true. And she was and definitely, because we we've seen the the... the White, the W-I-G-H-T-S, the frozen zombies, don't have those blue eyes the way the blue, the girl did and now this baby did. So that seems like that's a that's a other slash white walker thing as opposed to a frozen mm -hmm. zombie. Thing. Then we have had several scenes from season one where, you know, you had the the much faster, feral, you know, walkers that kill uh, the 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 guys right at the beginning of, of episode one and season one, and then the same type of creature that takes the baby from that John sees in the distance, which looks very different than the you know old man, uh, you know guy on the horse, guy on the, the dead horse turkey. looking guy. Yeah, so it's uh, uh, you know so uh, much more establishing the the different types of others and walkers and different things. So I mean, it's it's good to see. It is. It sort of did come across to me as okay, <clears throat> a little bit more of tying back to what, what I was talking about a couple weeks ago about you know does the show have to have a big baddie that everybody can rally around as far as oh we hate this person like Last Joffrey, time. and I'm not saying they're I'm not saying that's why they did this, but it's like okay we have this nebulous you know enemy that's out there wandering around in circles not quite getting to the wall but is on the way chasing the the wildlings um but but this gives even more focus on what that could be as far as you know evil and powerful mm. and what have you so it's um you know it's, i think it was a a an obvious you know nod that they they needed to give it a little more focus, not just have it be this thing that's out there, uh, like like is in the books. So they really haven't. I mean, there's been attention paid, obviously, but it's it just doesn't seem to me like they have built up the just like the constant kind of simmering point that you had with the others and the White Walkers that I felt in the books, anyways. It's more of kind of like, and now we're in Westeros, and now we're with Danny, and now we're with Joffrey, and now Joffrey's dead, and now we're looking at White Walkers, and now we're at Castle Black. It doesn't seem like they've been able to portray how serious that is. So I'm kind of super interested to see what they do with this. As long as they don't fuck with any more babies, it'll be all right. Mm -hmm. Um, well, and I think the other thing is, too, that one of the things that's so great about this series just in general is the way it keeps setting up classic fantasy tropes that are so ingrained that we hardly even recognize them as tropes anymore um, and then subverts them. Just, you know, like think about Ned, who is clearly set up to be this good guy hero character and then gets killed. And, you know, so that's one of the things that this, this whole series does is it keeps setting up all of these classic fantasy tropes, for example, like the big evil baddie. And then so who knows what's actually going to happen with that. Maybe it's actually going to subvert that. It's not going to turn out to be anything like we're, what we're expecting. Who knows? Maybe he'll turn out to be the good guy that helps us fight against the Lord of Light or something. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. 
I do think that the something you'll be the one my friend Kevin about White Walkers are just misunderstood, man. (laughs) (laughs) That the show has not done a very good job of sort of representing to people that haven't read the books, at least to my friends. View of this is that he is very confused with the idea of okay, you've got the wall, you've got a hundred people there, or whatever the number is. You've got the wildling that's supposed to be a hundred thousand of humans coming to the wall to try to get through because the the others and the evil menaces are chasing them or right behind them. And then you have okay, Craster's Keep, which is somewhere right in the middle of all of this. You've got these people. some white walkers over here and you you know where are all these people how close mm-hmm. are they when are they going to arrive and it, mm-hmm. it's something that you know it, it's well it's it's you know, part of the whole ominousness of things but it's also you know partly you don't really good get a good idea geographically even though you got the map at the beginning of the show of really what's going on where are these people I think they uh, can't so. because they're fudging it so much they can't show yeah, us in true. a concrete way because then it wouldn't make sense for things to take as long as they need them to take. Right. I Which think it's exactly a valid complaint, said. though. I mean, but I th- I think that's why they can't make it more clear. Because I mean, rem- I I remember hearing you know the um, the before the red wedding um, scene, but in that episode there was a whole bit where. Rob is actually just looking at a map and kind of explains this overall strategy he's talking about with Talissa. And I remember reading a whole bunch of people that said, thank you. I had no idea where any of these things were. Exactly. (laughs) And so just, and I think they, you know, it would be helpful for them to have a scene like that or, you know, where they just say, okay, here's where all these actual parties are and in relationship to each other. But I think part of the reason they can't is because they are actually fudging a bunch of that stuff. And, and and I'm not even really complaining so much as I think it's just it's a reality of they're more it's focused just, on yes. having the story unfold the way they want than in terms of having it make logistical sense. Yeah. The, um, okay. Does anybody have anything else with with, with the final scenes? Do Do you want to read Sheriff Bullock's Q and A there? <laughs> uh, about the well earlier, uh, Viv had mentioned hope. And he uh, he wrote, I think Hope and Game of Thrones are an, an anathema to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll stop watching and reading right now then. <laughs> and then uh, he he also he also wrote, I cannot believe John was so articulate in this episode. Has he been taking courses in public speaking at a community college? Where did this Jon Snow come from? Even I was ready to say my vows and go beyond the wall with him. Oh, Captain, my captain. <laughs> Torchmasters, it works for everyone. He got yeah, laid. Torchmasters, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Got game now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, uh, what I will say, and, and I would never tell anyone else that they should dislike a movie, but... <laughs> Dead Poets Society pushes some buttons with me that Ooh. make me have a very visceral reaction to any reference of it. And so I just seeing that, oh, Captain, my Captain, sort of the, set the hair on the back of my neck. Wow. <laughs> wow. Which I won't go into yeah. it because we're going to have to talk about this rant. some night. But, yeah, uh, some but, so, um, but I, certainly... I see a, a Balticon discussion out of this. Fireball. Anyone who watches... Dead Poet Society and really likes it. I'm glad you like it. 
I'm not going to ever tell anyone else that they shouldn't like it. I have real problems with it that I would be happy to discuss at another time. Wow. I, you are going to be fun. As always, Chris. I'm a little punch drunk right now. <laughs> you are just like, you have opinions that I've never That's heard funny. anybody okay. say before. We're, we're going we're gonna, to we're, we're gonna, um, we're gonna yeah, jump out here because we're way, we're way over time. Two hours and 40 minutes yeah, here, and we only had four people on the show, so good God. Only? had four awesome yeah. people. So, only. I did want to say, I did want to say there were a couple musical things, the, the ending theme being, you know, the, the main theme and just this completely bass, baritone, whatever you want, you know, low register, very evil, ominous sounding was cool. The thing that made me laugh, though, was the uh, scene where John is making his speech, speaking of his speech, and he's asking, who will go with me? And they have the little thing where people are standing up and they have this little major chord, you know, very, you know, punching that, oh, here's, you know, grand standing up, bong, and then da-da, you know. And then Locke comes up and it's this dissonant minor yeah. chord that, you know, marking him as, oh, the evil one is standing up. It was like one of those <laughs> two on the nose. Well, it was also that, just that one of those laugh. things where, like, there was how could there be any suspense of whether he would stand up or not, given that this was exactly what he came here to do, and we know that. <laughs> right. So. But, uh, I did, I did <laughs> their like version those. of, like, Darth Vader's theme music for when he walks in. Yeah. Now, that said, I mean, I, I really like all this all this stuff with Locke up there um, mm -hmm. with the Night's Watch. I mean, I think I think that's, that's good stuff. And, you know, you know, there's lots of filler here, but I think it's, it's so far, it's, it's, Good filler with you know a couple of just the the finer details are a little forced, but just the the overall arcs they're doing are fun. Okay, so we had a contest last week. Um, I'm gonna have to rewatch, but uh, just to make sure I had all the references. Did anybody hear any references to dragons? I did um, not. So well, there I was had that at zero. Not really. I mean, there's. I you know the three-headed dragon on Danny's flag on the harpy. That's like that's no, that that's, I think the closest for me. Yet, so no, I don't. I didn't so, even look. I just know they didn't have any live-action dragons. Mm. Yeah, but no character actually said the word about dragons. So I'm not. Uh, I thought Olena was about to when she was talking about almost marrying a Targaryen, and she saw his face and his you know. Uh, whatever, how he, however she described his face, I thought she made Ferity face. Say, yeah, I thought she might say something about. It. I don't care how many dragons he might have had. I wouldn't yeah. go marry him or something. But the only um, place that might have been said is is when Danny did her intro kind of thing, or whenever yeah, they talked yeah. about who she is. I don't. I don't think but she don't, did even then. I don't. I don't. I remember Breaker of Chains. Yeah, well, they did. I. They did. She. Yeah, Grey Worm did call her mother of dragons at one point when he was talking to the other. Uh, mm. The other. Uh, Oh, uh, Sheriff right. Bullock says, sorry, Guru. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Damn you. I, 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 I kind of really only mostly brought it up just because I I acknowledge that it's kind of funny that Sheriff I Bullock, have that reaction to it. What we've all learned is that Christiana someday will break your heart just like George R. R. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as the references to the North and Beyond the Wall, I counted four. <laughs> Uh, actual references. Um, there. Um, let's see. I'm 
trying to remember. I wrote a note here, but anyway, there's the four that I know of uh, that that I caught. But I will rewatch. But if if my numbers are are correct, then uh, the winners are um, for the North. It would be Christiana who had three, and for Dragons, everybody picked up, picked at least one, so nobody would have won that. So uh, we did have uh, Tim. Tim Dodge actually uh, as did the survey uh, and had he was over on both so he, he said <coughs> ten, 10 references to the north and three dragons <coughs> sorry about that uh, next week uh, oh I also want to say for for our personal host contest we will not because of the rapiness of the last couple episodes we will not be doing boobs any longer I am protesting boobs. Not that I don't want to see them on the show, mind you, but we won't be doing them as a contest. Um, interesting. But, Good choice. Yeah. Uh, so next week uh, we have, uh, you know, plotting in King's Landing. Um, Danny, some stuff with Danny that we know of just from the from the description. The 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 name of the episode, Nutty. Oh, the name of the next episode? Hang on, I didn't look it's, it up. Uh, actually, I have it, but usually okay. have it, and I let you say it, but it's, uh, it's called First of His Name. That was it. I forgot it all. First of His Name, which mm-hmm. uh, you might be able to deduce what it might be about. So what should we have as a contest, I think, since at least from things, uh, John embarks on a new mission is the other uh, description mm-hmm. from the thing. So I, I, I guess deaths is, is a good one to do since we will yeah. we should have some some fighting going on. Uh, what might be a about direwolves this time since we had dragons last time. Mm. Um, I, I tend to about, not want to do ones that we see something in this episode because. We tend to not see them in the very next episode. I was thinking. I was um, just going by the description, PG. How about the 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 mention or citing of uh, the word crown? Oh, okay. Mm. I was I was gonna say how many congratulations, yeah. but there you go. That yeah, works. like well, something something lighter to contrast the deaths, right? Yeah. But yeah, crown crown could work, especially since uh, I think the the clip. From next time, looks like we we might get uh, Tommen's coronation, so there's going to be probably some there. Of course, we also thought with the royal wedding that we'd get some named food dishes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, although yeah, that just actually reminds food me, dishes in this episode, huh? there's a comedian named Paul F. Tompkins um, who's really funny, and he has a bit one uh, where he's talking about how one of his many part-time jobs that he had, he he actually worked in a in a hat store. But in addition to you know various baseball caps or whatever, sold a bunch of novelty hats, and he said on not one but two separate occasions he had people come in and say, "Hey, I, I'd like to see that king hat." It's like <laughs> king hat. You mean the crown? <laughs> it's like there's there's a word for that. Are you saying you don't you don't know that? The I want king that king hat. hat. You want the king hat. <laughs> So, you know, I think Christiana is surprised if that. next time, you know, they there are no actual mentions of the word crown because everyone just calls it the king hat. King hat, yes. How many references to king hat will we have next week? <laughs> um, so ratings for the uh, episode. Did, uh, uh, did did Chooch give us an, a rating, Viv? He gave, he? I had it right there. Oh, eight out, of ten, eight out of ten guards on Tommen's door. There you go. That's a good one. I like that reference. That was one of my choices. 
Oh, wow. That's, that's really awesome. <laughs> I bet. Uh, Christiana? Um, eight out of ten um, variations of Littlefinger's schemes. Ooh. Very esoteric. Nutty? Um, I'm going to give it seven and a half interrupting Sir Pounces. Oh, uh, cock that? blocking Sir Pounces. Cock blocking. <laughs> cock blocking Sir that, was, that would be mine, uh, but the Nutty well, just did it. Well, he's a so. pussy. <laughs> See, I feel like there was never going to be any what? direct action happening in this no, first yeah. meeting. And so I feel uh, like he was I, more I like ice-breaking Sir Pounce. I agree. Okay. Yeah, like well. wingman. Yeah, I like wingman that. Did you say yours? Did no, you give your rating? Then? I don't really have one. I couldn't think of anything clever. Is this a, a zero? Is this a zero? No, it's like okay. a seven out of a ten. I just can't think of anything clever because migraine. Okay. <laughs> seven out of ten. Mine would be mad about babies getting hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I will give it. Five and a half out of ten slaps across Jamie's face with a hand of gold. So, ouch! You, wow. this is your lowest rated episode. I just had a lot of things that I thought were lazy in this episode, yeah. and, and and you know, I, I thought visually there were a lot of really good things and really good acting, but I just, I think there are times that we're seeing more and more where they are writing themselves, not writing themselves in a hole or in a, a dead end, but they have to make things happen because they're doing things in certain ways and they're not doing it in the in the in the uh, most uh, I don't know, just uh, satisfying ways. Let's just say, and, uh, I don't want to keep using the term lazy writing, but uh, you know, I just think it could be more satisfying with. Hmm. You know, how do we get this character here? Oh, let's just write this throwaway line or, you know, yeah. things that we've All already right. talked about, so I'll go through it. But, I, yeah, I, actually dis I actually agree with you, PG. Yeah. 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 It didn't bother me as much as it did with you, but I, I think you're on the money. Agreed. Thank you very much. So that gives us a cumulative, or rather an average, of 72% for this episode, uh, making it a higher-rated episode than last week's. Oh, it totally was for me. Yeah, yes, you went but from I'm changing it to, to four. No, <laughs> you gave your scores. You don't get to change it after I give you the average. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to thank everybody again. We do this live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on or 19, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, 9 p.m. Wednesday at 9 p.m. on Wednesday, and. Uh, we have lots of stuff over at specficmedia.com uh, besides the video and the audio versions of the episode. You can find links there. Uh, we're also doing the memes every week. Miss uh, Nutty collects things that she sees and people send her and does a cool post with lots of GIFs and links to cool things. Uh, we're doing the uh, uh, Eye of Noob, which is... Uh, Yes, uh, I did a video. I actually recorded another video and then had computer issues, so I released the text for my views of the wedding, uh, of the purple wedding, um, and I'm we'll do another one this week. So we'll we'll get back to video as soon as soon as I can. Um, we have the Eye of Noob, which is my friend Matt, who is a non-book reader who writes uh, humorous. Uh, 
his in his own way of 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 writing his his views on certain episodes. He he comes at it a little more negatively as like he almost wants to quit the show every time he writes one, but then there's something that keeps him coming back. So uh, it's a fun read as well. So uh, come come stop by. Uh, uh, specfigmedia.com uh, for some of that stuff and uh, of course we've mentioned Christiana and her 77 podcasts that she currently has. Not that many. Okay. And 74. Uh, no more than 50. <laughs> because I just mentioned, I just finished it and, and other people have recommended it. Uh, Patrick uh, E. McLean's uh, The Merchant Adventurer just finished that. I would recommend that over at Potty, Potio Books or the print version over at Amazon, uh, go check that out. Uh, called the Merchant Adventurer, um, and that's all I had for 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 this show. So thanks for watching, listening after the fact, <laughs> and we'll see you next time on Beyond the Wall. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to send feedback to Beyond the Wall, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. That's B-T-W at S-P-E-C-F-I-C-M-E-D-I-A dot com. Or you could send us a voicemail at 704-315-5884. Or you can comment on the web. Go to specficmedia.com and there you'll find a shiny little button to click on that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, 3.0, unported license. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.